Hi, I'm Allison. And I'm Lori. And this is A Grave Mistake. question to ask you before we get serious. Okay. Corey and I were out to breakfast this morning mm. and I ordered pancakes because that seems to be the only safe thing to order nowadays. Sure. And he looks at me and says, so what are you going to complain about today? Ooh. <laughs> now I Ooh, used to get, out of the blue? oh, he's a shit. I used to get oh. these <laughs> homestyle cinnamon French toast okay. things, right? Sounds but good. But they stopped. So French toast. Mm-hmm. How do you make French toast? You dip them in the egg and then both sides in the egg. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they stopped doing that. They stopped. So one side is like eggy. Oh. And the other side is this crunchy, hard, dry toast. Oh my! It's disgusting. So am I wrong? If I send that back, because I don't want to eat that. Not at all. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, guys, never send it back. They just eat it. No, I can't. I did that once. I sent it back. I said, and this is after, well, this is after I specifically requested that both sides be dipped in the mixture, right? Right. And I try to not be old lady like that. I try. And not be bitchy. Right. But if I'm going to pay for it and I want to eat it, come on. So it came back. I think that cheap. It came back burnt. Oh. And I looked at that plate. Ah, that's not And I looked at the waitress and I was like, no, I'm just like, yeah. Well, they know, right. <laughs> they know. But, oh. but yeah, so, okay. So, oh, I'm not in the goodness. wrong here. No. So, I'm like, it's, it's ridiculous. It's wow. ridiculous. Did you people forget? Would he have it? Yes, he would have. Burned? Um, no, not burned, but, like, if they only oh. did one side. Okay. Whole French toast. Wow. Debacle. You know what, though? So, I don't order it anymore. I just get Why pancakes. Why do you guys go there? We've tried. Okay, so... This is like our go-to place. We love the waitress. Yeah, she's awesome. But the food but sucks. It, it, but see, it used to be really good, and then it just started going downhill. Is it like new ownership or something. No, no, the same Greeks. Oh, Greeks. Say no same more. Greeks. Say no, no more. actually, no. Like they know us. They're like, like, oh yeah, come on in, have grab a booth. But even but, still, though. But it's run so by we Greeks, went to. And I'm Greek, so <laughs> so we can say this. So, so want to save a dime and. Don't flip it twice because they're saving money. So, oh, well, we went to gosh. that Mad Rooster. I don't know where that is. It's not, It's in Kenosha. But that's that oh, one where I got you that t-shirt. Because mm-hmm, it's a rooster and you love roosters. Oh, I love them. Um, their food is good, but it's expensive. Right. And it's really, it's a lot. Like, you look at them like, but I just want French toast. I don't want French toast dipped in some special solution with... Pecans mm. and powdered so sugar just, and whipped yeah. cream and you can, but everything is like so. You look at it like I don't know anymore. Oh. <laughs> like it's so, like their French toast is dipped in, um, what what uh, like special K, like they take Ew. like cornflakes, cornflakes. Okay. And then they like it's cornflake encrusted. Ah. And it's is a cornflake. It's crunchy? crunchy. Yeah, but even if it's dipped in egg, you did well. They dip it in the bread and the egg. And then they dip it in the cornflakes. Oh. But it's just, 
It's a and lot. And then they put it? Yeah, and then they flip it and, yeah. Um. So we've kind of, like, I ordered chocolate chip pancakes once. Mm. I OD'd on chocolate. Oh, gosh. There's yeah. so many inside of it. There was tons of chocolate chips on top of oh it. It was, gosh. it's, well, it's too much. Spread. It's extra. Everything there is just extra. Oh. And you're like, I just want something normal. And then we tried this other place last weekend, and that kind of sucked. So oh. we weren't going to do that. They did the same thing with the French toast there, too. Oh, God. Only I'm one like, side? Yeah. And they did that to him, too, because I got the cinnamon French toast, and he got the plain. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I kind of see what you mean about the French toast. I'm like, oh, oh. uh-huh, because it's you. Right, right. But one day when I got the pancakes, I got the pancakes back. Mm-hmm. And they were dark. Yeah. They weren't burnt. I don't like dark pancakes. I don't either. They weren't burnt, uh, but they were darker than I liked. Mm-hmm. So now it's like, what, what do, do I, you eat? I don't know. What about a muffin? Honestly, if they were up to me, I would just go to Summer Moon. I would get my uh, yep. cinnamon latte and their chocolate chip scone, Ooh. which is awesome. And it's all melty and gooey. Mm. And that would be it. Yes, that would be it. That's all I would... I'd be good. Yeah, I'd be happy with coffee. But but no. Mm Mm-mm. He... Every Sunday morning... Well, because the dogs wake... Well, especially Remy wakes us up at, like, what, 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. Mm. (sighs) Yes, yes. So then, gotta get up and go to breakfast. So what did you say when he said that? Just give him a dirty look. Well... You wouldn't complain or send it back if it were done right the first time. Correct. If it was good, I wouldn't be complaining about it. But it's not. I don't think I'd keep going back, though. No. I would tell him, go. You go and have your breakfast, and I'm going to go get my coffee and my scone. I wouldn't even do that. I wouldn't leave the house. Oh, <laughs> no. well, right. I would, I would get the dogs to go back to bed. Oh. Because they've eaten. They've gotten their dental stick. They've eaten. And now they're ready. And now they're ready to, to yes. yeah, because that's what they do. When we oh, come so home. You, your choice is go back to bed? Probably. Oh, hell yeah. Then I yeah. go back to bed. Well, that's what I did today. Do you just have, like, regular coffee then at home? I have my Bones coffee. Oh, I that. love Bones coffee. Please sponsor us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I love their... They got rid of one of my favorite ones, the oh. peanut butter and jelly one. Ew. It, it doesn't taste like peanut butter at all. It tastes like grape. It's... And you wouldn't think coffee. you wouldn't think it's good, but it's really, mm. really good. See, I don't like the flavor. I like that one. I like their electric unicorn, which is like a fruity cereal oh, flavor. Boy. But to me, it tastes kind of lemony. And then they have mm. their from dusk from dusk to donuts, which is like a jelly filled donut flavored coffee. Mm. It's really good. But isn't it kind of like sweet? I like that. Oh. I don't like the bitter, nasty coffee. I just put cream in it. I do. Mm. I like for fruit. Also, fru- yeah. Also. <laughs> Yes, yes, also. Huh. I just like regular coffee. No, not me. I just sit there and just drink. Don't talk to me before my cup of coffee. Well, yeah, there's yes. that. Yes. I don't want to go for breakfast because I know something's going to go wrong. And Eric Always does. will think, oh, I'm just going to be bitching again. <laughs> so I just don't go. Yep. All right, so let's get, let's get to true crime. Okay, let's get it. Have you seen, oh boy. this is before we get to West Memphis 3, part three, that the FBI has identified Uh the Zodiac killer finally. I did not hear that. Yes. So I guess he was an Air Force vet named Gary Francis Post. He died in 2018 and 
they have a partial DNA sample that... 2018. 20, he died in 2018. <clears throat> he stopped oh, killing 2018. Him. I'm saying 12, 18. I thought, wait a minute. When did this happen? What? Okay, 12, 18. I know. What? <laughs> okay. okay. 20, oh, so he just died recently. Yes. And... So wait, when did these murders occur? I don't know. Okay, is this like in the 60s? The Zodiac? I, I think so. Probably that. 60s, 70s. 70s seem to be a great time for... Uh, for murders? <laughs> for serial killers. Huh. Let me look. Zodiac. I'm trying to Google it. So this guy has been like out? Yeah. His whole life. Yep. So did he stop? Apparently. Yeah. Oh, and it says here. Did he get married? The FBI. Okay, it says the FBI did not. On Fox News three days ago, Air Force vet identified a Zodiac killer suspect, but FBI didn't act on DNA proof. Oh. What? Let me see him. This is what he, um, this dude. He's ugly. Well, he's old, too. Well, he's old. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if he'd be ugly. So, he was active during 1968-1969. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's, <clears throat> so that's very interesting. So he never went to jail? No. How many people did he murder? Um, let's find out. Because, I'm sorry, but the 60s, 70s, they didn't really appeal to me. Five confirmed dead... And two injured, possibly twenty to twenty-eight total dead. But oh claims my. to have killed thirty-seven. Oh, that's what it says in Northern California. Also, oh. possibly Nevada. Okay, so now they just—I mean, what did they do? Did they just decide to I look think, at the DNA again? And I wonder why did they bring it back? I—I I bet it has something to do with the um. You know how the DNA tests and stuff nowadays? The familial DNA? That's how they got the Golden Gate killer? No, I don't know about this oh, Okay. Yeah, so... That's <sighs> what... So he's never spent any time in jail? No, I don't think so. Well, he was but a former... Air, he was in the Air Force. Wow. Yeah, that's... He killed all those people? Yeah. That's... Fascinating. Wow. So that's what it's saying. Okay, so wait, so he's dead now? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so we know where he is. Yeah, but all of a sudden now? Right. And now he's dead, so. So it doesn't matter. Who else, you know, that their family was killed? Yep. Oh, that's so sad. I wonder what made him stop, though. I don't know. Because if he's been alive this whole time. <laughs> or why didn't the FBI go after him when they had the D. Uh, Maybe they couldn't really prove it. But, but, but this is partial DNA, so I don't know if they had enough. I well, don't know. Couldn't they have looked into it a little bit deeper? I mean, you can only get so much from Dan if you only watch. I mean, didn't they have him under. I mean, and then you think, too, he was in the Air Force? Mm hmm. So we were paying him? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And were these uh, murders, like, all over? California and Nevada. Possibly and that's where was he, was he stationed? Probably. There? Oh my gosh! Did he have a family? I don't. I didn't really look into it that much. Okay. You can only get so much information, oh. like right now, because it just kind of came out. See, it sounds like another show. I don't get into this. See, I don't want to do the really the big hitters that we know all about, like Bundy. Well, I obviously don't know anything about him. <sighs> yeah, you <laughs> like living in a cave. It amazes me how little you know about this stuff. 
Yeah, I just, um, I don't like to listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> I only like happy stuff. I like well, funny that's, stuff. You're not going to find that I here. I like romance. You're absolutely not going to find that here. shows. Mm. I was no. watching uh, Married at First Sight. Did you ever see that show? I did. But, see, oh, I like fall that. asleep watching, like, Evil Lives Here. <laughs> oh, God. How can you sleep? I don't have a problem. Mm. That's scary. I'm not the only one. It's very common. People, especially with women, that people do this. I would rather fall asleep to a football game. Because you know nothing scary is going to happen. And there's going to be no scary commercials. I fall asleep watching the Terrifier. I don't even know. That crazy ass clown thing. And I hate clowns. Yes, you do. Oh, this thing is horrible looking. Is that a... This is the one that... Like a show? It's a movie. And it's so bad. It's just dumb. It's... Oh. It's gross. It's not scary. It's just gross. And... I hate this. What was that movie? I was going to make Eric watch that movie. Oh, what crap. Movie? That is really ugly. I know. Yeah. What's that movie? I can't remember. But it was with a girl and a guy, and then they, like, accidentally rented, like, the same place. I don't know where it was. Was one a ghost? No, but this thing had, like, boobs, and it would breastfeed. Oh, oh, oh. Um. What? I was going to make him watch that. What was the name of that? I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Because I was watching it. What? Okay, I'm going to have to go to that room. It was really. With, um, what is his name? Yes, yes. I and, know. And the other that dude. Brown hair. <laughs> that guy. And the guy. What? Um, <laughs> and that chick. No, um. <laughs> that movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait. Boobs. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to backtrack here. So I know this kid is in Jeepers Creepers. So oh. we're going to find out who this guy is. Because I. The, the, hate that movie. The guy. Uh, yeah, who... the guy. <laughs> um, yeah, I was gonna make Eric watch that. Oh, what is that goofy? Uh, I took that. I took. Um, is it Dollface to that? Jeepers Creepers. No. Oh no, that the movie. <laughs> okay, we, okay. We're both in shock. So Justin Long. Yes, yes. I was gonna say Justin short. Long. Shoot. Is okay. the mm-hmm. <laughs> the actor? Yes. Um. So we're gonna find out this. I can't. Barbarian. Yes. Barbarian. That was a That was that was, was a surprise. Scary. Yeah. That, I, <laughs> that was kind of... Also, I see these boobs that are, like, down to this <laughs> thing's knees. Spoiler alert. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh. And, and, and I take doll face. She's, like, 16, which, you know, but she wanted to go. And I'm thinking, okay, how bad can that be? <laughs> it was just... Bizarre. That's hilarious. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna make him watch that. It's well, Corey was in. He's playing a video game while I was watching it, and I was ve- I was very. I'm like, oh, ah, and make all these noises because it was, it wasn't scary. It was just it was gross. Creepy. It was yeah. gross. <laughs> and he came out. He's like, what are you watching? Yeah, that was. Wait, what is it oh, called? Barbarian. Crap, you gotta write that down. Oh, that's. Yet. I'm gonna have to. I'll, Take a picture of it and text it oh, to great. you. Oh, <laughs> great. I'll forget. And they want the hell What is this? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I'll yeah, that was something. That. that was... Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's... I mean, his character really pissed me off. It did. But it was yeah. interesting. Okay. Yes. All right. So let's get serious again. All right. Okay. So before we get into the story, <laughs> I do want to talk about a missing person. Is I'll that my phone? Shut your phone oh. off, lady. 
That was you. Yeah. Sending me something. Yes, but you don't. Okay. Oh my goodness. It's off. <laughs> Who's there? Right. We're talking about a missing person. I posted a picture of her on our Instagram. She had the dark hair? Yeah, Madeline Kingsbury. Yeah, she was cute. She's 26 years old, lives in Winona, Minnesota. She's five that feet rhymes. four. Oh my goodness. Winona, Minnesota. Minnesota. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> after a glass of wine. <laughs> and okay, this is not funny. No, it's not. Okay. All right. Um, five feet, four inches tall, 135 pounds. She has court, court, short, curly brown hair. The police believe that her vehicle, a 2014 dark blue Chrysler Town and Country, may have traveled from Winona to eastern Fillmore County, I'm assuming it's in Minnesota, on the day of her disappearance. So they're asking anybody in that area to check their security cameras, doorbell cameras, game cameras for any signs of the van passing through or stopping and in the when area. Is this? Well, um, just wait. She's tw- she's she has two children, two year old and a five year old. Uh-huh. Um, she was an employee of the Mayo Clinic. She's oh. missing since March thirty first of this year. Okay. She was last seen at her home. She didn't show up mm. to work as expected. She didn't answer calls from family and friends. She didn't pick her children up from daycare that afternoon. She didn't make any arrangements. She just fell off the face of the earth. Law enforcement has called her disappearance suspicious, but they noted that they are not prepared to identify a suspect or person of interest at this time. They believe her disappearance, again, was involuntary and suspicious, which, yeah. Well, don't they say, though, after? Was it 24 hours or 48 hours? Yeah. It's good luck. Police have drafted and served numerous search warrants as part of their search efforts. A Minnesota judge has ruled that the children of Madeline will remain in custody rather than be released to their father, who says he is cooperating with law enforcement at every turn. We're going to get into it. Winona County District Judge Mary, I believe it's Leahy, said that, quote, it is in the best interest of the children to remain in the protective care of the responsible social services agency, mm. right, unquote, rather than being handed over to their father, Adam Fravel. Fravel did not have custodial rights to the children prior to Madeline's disappearance, but on April 4th, CPS took custody of the children who had been with their father at the grandparents' house. So how he got them, I don't know. Maybe they were called after Maybe. no one picked right. them up. Right, it's a possibility. But so wait, so he could not see the children. He did not have any rights to these children at this time. At that time, the mother why. had all rights. I don't know. So he couldn't even have visitation. Well, that it doesn't say. There's very little information about this. Mm. Says when social workers confronted Fravel at the home, he was not cooperative and did not allow them access to the children initially. Which I can't really blame him. I wouldn't want to give up my kids either. No. But so he continues continues to fight for custody of the children. More than five hundred pages have been filed in the custody case, and he's arguing it's in his children's best yes. interest that they be returned to him. Now, Winona County's primary concern in returning the children to him was his behavior when they were removed from his care. He probably threw a big fit, and. A protective care hearing document said that the children were in surroundings or in conditions that endangered the children's health, safety, or welfare. Well, so I don't know what condition his right, place was in. Right, that he lived with his, I think oh. he lived with his parents, so uh-huh. their grandparents. 
The trial regarding the custody of the children is set for June 6th. But then what about her? Well, just wait. Mm. You're getting ahead of yourself. Sorry. The trial set for the custody of kids is June 6th. They are currently with her parents now. Okay. Madeline and her children lived with the parents for several months in 2020 and 2021, and they even had bedrooms for the children. So That's good. Now, Fravel was the last person to have seen Madeline alive, and her parents have significant concerns based upon their knowledge of the two's relationship. Okay, they, wait. They believe, just wait, they believe Fravel knows more about her disappearance than he is letting on. So, she lives with her parents. On and off. Well, at this at this time, yes. Was well, she living with them? No. At this, okay. No. How do they know that she last the last person she saw was Fravel? Like I said, it's very good luck finding information. Well, then Everything, how can they say that? Maybe he admitted to it. Hmm. Well, that wouldn't be smart. Maybe there's a footage somewhere. Maybe there's a witness somewhere. Oh. I don't know. They're, I mean. Aww. In initial stages, they don't like to give out all the information that they have. So they they found her car, or they haven't even found her car. Nothing. Um, I think they do have her vehicle, but they believe. I don't know why they think. I don't know why why they think this information. Aww. They're not giving out a lot of inf- a lot of answers at this time. They're just well, telling people basically what they need them to know right now. So officials are asking property owners to report any old wells, homesteads, windmills, Mm. or sinkholes on the property dating back before 1825 to search at co.wonona, which is W-I-N-O-N-A, dot M-N dot U-S. Because this information is not part of public records. So they wouldn't, I mean, before this date, they wouldn't know. They are offering a $50,000 reward leading to information finding her. So if anybody has any any information, they can call 507-457-6302 or 800-222-TIPS. They can also go to crimestoppersmn.org and they can also donate to GoFundMe, mm. um, which will you know help the kids help yes. search efforts. Um, anything like that. So, I hope, I mean, I hope, really hope they find this woman. Well, she was really cute, too. She was, yeah. Or yeah. she is. She is. She's, yes. yes. I really hope they find her, but. Aww, two little babies. I know. Aww. Oh, it's so sad. Yeah. So now we're going to talk about three little babies that were killed. Yeah. Now, last time we discussed Jesse's trial. And he was convicted. You look confused. No. Okay. I do remember. Okay, just took you a second? Yeah. We're at the West Memphis 3 now. I know. Okay. So Jesse was convicted, and they tried to get him to testify against Jason and um, Damien, but he refused because he would be lying. Right. So now we're going to get to their trial. That was the kid that just kind of got sucked into it. No, Jason was the one who got sucked into it. It was guilt by association. Jesse was the one with the false conviction or the he false the one confession. That was a little... Well he yeah, and that was all bullshit. Right. Yeah. Okay. All bullshit. So we should finish this up today because I don't want to be in this world anymore. Because <laughs> it's it's a horribly what? No, it's a horribly depressive every time I see wooded areas I think, hmm Every time you have a story it's Could somebody be in a 
Ew, Could there be a body in there? Don't you think? <laughs> yeah. Mm. When I was like researching all this, Corey and I were. He I made a ticks. He, oh, of course you do. <laughs> he made me go for a bike ride with him, which. Mm. When was this? I think it bruised my butt cheeks. <laughs> but, <laughs> and we were riding past this one area, and I'm like, mm. hmm, I could probably put a body in there. Oh god! Like they'd find it pretty quickly, but that's what I—that's what I think of when I see the woods or missing four one one, which we'll get to those in a different episode. You'll love that. We'll do it right before we go camping. So are you gonna go camping? Ah, wait, <laughs> I misspoke. Oh, I don't know. We this we'll discuss. Yes, I have fun. I have. It's not requirements. Bad. I have requirements. It's in an RV. Yes. A clean RV but with running water. What about getting with my dogs? Oh. Well, one of your brothers. Yeah, we'll see. Okay. Yeah. Well, this requires further discussion. <laughs> Let's just, just wait. If I can do it, Hold you can do it. your horses, lady. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> All right. Let them bug spray. Oh, God. They're reek. Yeah. All right. So, this is Damien and Jason's trial. On a normal day, throughout all of this craziness, normal day. there were three state troopers, five sheriff's deputies, just there, to lead them to and from the courthouse. Okay. And they had to wear bulletproof vests. Jason and Damien did, because people were so pissed. Jesse decided not to testify. And I said this before, but according to stepmother, Jesse said he was not present at the time of the murders and that he knew nothing about them. He said that he had admitted to the crimes after his conviction because he was afraid of the men with guns and of what would happen to him in prison. Well, yeah. He was under the impression that testifying would significantly reduce his prison time. He also said that he was told if he didn't testify, Damien and Jason would not be convicted, and while he rotted away in prison, they would go after his girlfriend. Oh, my gosh. That's what these the, the prosecutors were telling him, all this crazy stuff. Jesse's parents told him that if he lied, that would be something he would have to live with for the rest of his life. And he decided not to testify because, quote, this way, if I ever do get out, my name will be clear and I can live pretty much a decent life. Uh, now. And how old are these kids? Like 16? Um, Jason and Jesse were 17. Damien was 18. Now, voir dire, or they pronounce it differently, but I took French, so that's just the way it is in my head okay, i can't i agree um it's the legal process by which lawyers question potential jurors to determine mm. their ability yeah. or their suitability to be in a specific trial it's supposed to be questioned they're supposed to be questioned in front of both attorneys yeah um the defend the defendants everybody like that yeah but in this case judge burnett decided to have potential jurors questioned in private oh. i, I Probably because they like couldn't against the law. Ye- well, yeah, we'll get to that. So Arkansas law requires all trials and hearings to be held in public. Yeah. Days after this happened, the Supreme Court ruled that the questioning of potential jurors in private had been in error, but the improperly impaneled jury mm-hmm. remained seated and the trial continued. Of course. So this is just another <laughs> corruption. Yeah. There's more corruption in a long line oh. of just. Corruption. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's horrible. It's absolutely oh horrible. Oh my god! Now, during ooh, sorry, touched your your finger during questioning. Yeah, I know. I need to shave. No, it's very soft. <laughs> so 
a surprise. I thought, oh, <laughs> shit. Look, look at that. It was funny. Study. I was by uh, mm, Black him? Panther. No. Uh, uh, T-Rex. And he went to, I don't know, get up or something. And he <laughs> leaned on my leg. He's like, oh, that's Harry. <laughs> and he just walked off. Oh, my gosh. He is so funny. Yeah. I didn't know he would kids you know, man shave not shave oh know. that's hairy <laughs> <laughs> whips his hand away like what the heck is that <laughs> like, i'm gonna get bit oh my oh, god <laughs> get my fingers tangled He's in that funny <laughs> all right oh so during questioning rich was asked how the police had handled the evidence they found with the bodies because remember it's all in the, with they were all wet oh that's right rich said that since the clothes the clothing and shoes were wet. They were left to air dry on the floor of Gitchell's office. <laughs> wow. Now, can we say contamination? Really? Or who knows? Yeah, exactly. Anything, so anything that was on his floor is mm-hmm. now on these clothes. Right. Anything that may have been in the clothes is probably on the floor. Or that you couldn't or, put something yeah. on it on purpose. Right. Oh my it's gosh. Talk mm, about Mind-boggling. The evidence. <laughs> now, Damien's attorney asked Ridge about the two sticks that mm. were marked as evidence, yeah. but the police had not taken from the crime scene until almost two months later. Oh, and those, those same two sticks? Yeah, the, the sticks mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, that they found. They're like, oh, this looks good. Yeah. Ridge said, I didn't take the stick into evidence until the statement of Jesse Miss Kelly, in which she said, and then he got cut off, because remember this, they had a separate trial from Jesse because Jesse confessed those two Damien and Jason didn't right they could not enter the confession into evidence so right there that's grounds for a mistrial oh grounds for a mistrial well, why didn't the attorney well cuz here's the thing they you know how if they don't grant a mistrial the judge will say I'm going to order the jury to disregard that statement, exactly. but they really can't. Right, because you heard it. Yes, yes. yes. That's basically what's going on here. So, again, so Attorney Price demanded a mistrial because the whole... I just said this. Mm-hmm. Um, but Judge Burnett denied this, which is... Because he, he's yeah. in on it. Right. Damien's defense strategy and Jason's defense strategy were at odds with each other. Jason's attorney did not want anyone to be allowed to mention any cult activity or anyone attempting to assert that cult activity had been involved because it, this is ridiculous. It had to be, he wanted it to be demonstrated like, as fact before it was even brought into as possibly like a statement or witness or anything like that. How can you do that though? I mean, if somebody's going to say something. They, well, and that's why he wanted the trial separate. Because anything with occult activity had been linked to Damien, not Jason. Oh. So that's why he wanted a different... He's like, no, I don't want that word even mentioned at this trial. Okay. Because there's absolutely no evidence of it, any of it. Well, right. But, and Damien's lawyer wanted to be able to use the idea of cult activity to show that the police had focused on that to the exclusion of other more reasonable motives while they were investigating. They zeroed in on that, and they didn't look at anything else. So, they're completely at odds with each other, which should then, they should have been allowed to separate the trials, but of course, they weren't. Well, it's kind of hard to do that, though. 
They should never have been together in the first place. No, but, I mean, the whole story is out there. It's, well, but trial by media. Trial by... Yeah. Yeah, it's... So, Burnett told the attorneys that he would allow Price to question police about their interest in cult activity, but only if the prosecutors denied that they were going to introduce cult activity as a motive. If if prosecutors did introduce this as a motive, and Damien's attorney attorney attempted to combat it this is the thing he would issue a very strong cautionary instruction to the jury that the evidence should be applied to Damien Eccles and not to Mr. Baldwin again saying okay this evidence that you're hearing it only applies to this guy forget it when you're thinking about this guy good luck right especially if you're trying to say that Damien's a cult leader and uh, Jason's one of his followers you can't do it no then Burnett said, but the prosecution doesn't have to give a motive, which they don't. They just have to prove that somebody did it. They don't have to know why it was done. Now, right. medical examiner Frank Peretti took the stand. This guy, just useless. He never spoke in detail with the prosecutors. The autopsy report did not describe every injury. He just summarized them. <laughs> and he did this so that the report wouldn't be too long. Oh, well, that's good. (laughs) Right. So instead of going through it and addressing each injury, each wound, he just grouped them them together. Mm It said, this cluster of wounds, I think, is this. This is... Yeah, you can't do that. His report lacked details. It took about a month to complete and to send to the police. He said that in this report, it says that there's no evidence of sodomy, but at the trial, he said that even though there was no evidence of trauma... There anything anything is possible. <laughs> oh, gosh. He admitted that Christopher's uh. wounds could be caused by the type of serrated knife and not just the particular one from the lake. So, like, it could be caused by that one, but it could be caused by this you one, know. too. He also said that some of the wounds were consistent with the knife that Byers had given to the film crew. Right. But, eh, maybe not. He didn't actually say that the serrated knife caused the injuries. But it wasn't serrated, though, was it? Uh, it, it depends on who you ask. Oh, okay. It, no, Bayer's knife was, I believe. One, it was. I think it was, the, the, it was the one in the lake. There was, like, conflicting stories. Right. On what, yeah. So, the report didn't say that the serrated knife caused the injuries, but stated that it could have. Which means it also could have been caused by a different weapon. They don't know what caused the injuries. They didn't have the murder weapon. No. They, the report said that Michael had fought his attacker. He had defense-type wounds on his hands. He suffered multiple fractures to his skull, causing bruising of the entire oh. brain. Oh, his lungs gosh. were filled with water, indicating that when he had been put in the water, he was still breathing. Oh, gosh. Stevie Branch had multiple irregular and gouging-type cuts on his face. Oh, my. It could have been caused by an object such as knife, glass, or any sharp object. On his forehead, there was an abrasion or scrape that left a pattern. And inside the pattern, there was almost like a dome shape, which is typical of a belt injury. And he had fluid on his lungs, suffered massive blow to the back of the head like a cracked egg. Okay. This is the medical examiner's report. Okay, so wait, there are three kids. Yes. And this one person... Or whoever mm-hmm. did it. Yeah. 
How could he control all three kids? Well, they, that's why they're saying it's not one person. I don't think it was one person. Okay. That's why they're saying it's these three boys. Right. But the other guy in the bathroom, remember the one that went in that bathroom I ha- and was I th- bloody and stuff? I think I honestly think he was involved. Okay. So I wonder... We'll get to that. We'll okay. get to possibilities but you know what's later. what's so sad is, I mean, these boys died like this. Yes. I mean, this is it was horrendous. It was horrendous. And, and, and they're just attacking these other three innocent boys. Yeah. I mean... Don't you want to get down to the real murder? I, and I have a partial theory that okay. I just, but there's I feel so, sad for all of it them. It is, it's, there's not just three victims here. I mean, technically there's, there's, six. there's really six, but right. then if you think about it, if you go to their families, there's their a families. hell of a lot more. No, 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 like, um, like Jason Baldwin's mother yeah. and the brothers, you know, they needed him. They, you know, she depended on him. Yeah. Like, that's why I kind of felt closer because- Right, he took care of his brothers while his mom was at school uh, at work. Oh gosh! Like that's yeah. why that one just kills me. But so we have Christopher. He had head injuries as well as neck, genital, anal injuries, right and left leg injuries, um, injuries to his back, his right and left arms. He had a black eye and other facial wounds. Had the appearance of the stud on a buckle, like of a, somebody's oh, belt. Right. Which interesting that. John Mark Byers said he whooped Christopher before, oh. yeah, like earlier that day, I think. Um, he had wounds to his genital well, region. Gets well, beat. And then this uh-huh. happens to him yep. the same day? Yep. Oh. Their wounds to the genital region occurred when he was still alive. Now, this wait, you... all, wait, all this here is according to the, metal, the inept medical mm-hmm. examiner's report. But wouldn't you have thought, though... If this is true, the other boys, um, like Damien and, and the other boys, mm-hmm. did they have any marks on them? You know, when the no. kids are trying to fight no. back, did they have scratches? Nope. Did they have, you know, did the Defensive kids have, nope. like, skin under their nails? Nope. I mean, they might have had skin under na- they, their nails. They might have, but they didn't. Who knows right. what they did? <sighs> but no, none of that's in the evidence. None of it. Wow. So... Where was I now? Sorry. Um, the skin of the penis had been removed, Jeez. and around it are cutting, gouging wounds, and the scrotal sac and testes were missing. What a sick shit. Well, we'll get more into that later. Oh my gosh. A round quarter-inch oh. hole had been punched out of his skull, just oh. about where it joined the spine. Peretti said something had literally been punched into the brain. Oh. So my question is, why were Christopher's injuries so much worse than the other two boys? If that were my son, I'd never ever be able to sleep. No, well, that's why I, one, I of mo- like, one of the moms, one of the moms, one of the moms didn't know about all this until uh, until what? the trial. She didn't want to know. Oh, yeah. No, uh. no mosquito bites had been found in the boys, even though there were numerous reports of how thick the mosquitoes had been. Remember, it chased that's out. Strange. No, it's not. Mosquitoes are attracted to blood. No blood, no mosquitoes. The boys were killed elsewhere. They weren't killed there. Otherwise, there would have been a lot of blood. Oh. That was just a dump site. Oh. And the thing is, so if you watch the um, Paradise Lost documentary, which I did, I did not expect. So, like, the first scene, it has, like, Metallica playing because they did music for it. Okay. Because um, the boys are 
fans of Metallica and they wanted to help them out. So in this documentary, they show, they use the video footage taken, like the police footage taken of the bodies. When they're, like, you see the bodies Ooh. on the ground. It's, um, like, you... You watch that? Yeah. Oh, I didn't expect that. Oh. I did not see that coming. Yeah, no kidding. And I'm watching, I'm like, is that? I'm like, oh. It was, it's um, very sad. The whole thing is very, very, very it sad. Is. It's, if I could pick one mystery to know, it would be this one. I want to know who did it and why. Out of all the rest of them out there, this is the one that drives me nuts. Mm. Because you just don't know. I mean, I have a... Th- and they still uh, don't know? No. But we'll get, we'll get more into some but other... Yet, okay. Well, just, just wait. So Peretti admitted that he only put the causes of death on the death cause of death sheet and da- did not mention any of the injuries. <laughs> he admitted that there was no evidence of strangulation. The boys had not been tied with rope. He said hundreds of items could have been used to inflict the injuries and not just the sticks that they had right, in evidence. Right. He said any serrated knife could have caused Christopher's wounds. Yeah. Peretti said that the castration performed on Christopher would take skill, precision, and knowledge. It would take longer than 10 minutes to do this in his lab with his lights and a scalpel. And it would take significantly longer to do and would be more difficult in the dark, in the water, and surrounded by mosquitoes. There's no way it happened there. Christopher Byers had bled to death from his injuries. So wait, somebody knew how to do this? Well, this is what he's saying. This is their theory. But we'll get into another okay, one later on. Who would know how no, to do no, that? No, no, no. We're going to get into another one later on that makes way more sense. Oh. So, where was I? Sorry. Okay. So, Christopher Byers had bled to death. Um, blood was gone from the body and his organs were pale. Oh. Pretty testified that it would be extremely difficult to clean up that amount of blood. It would have soaked into the ground, but it would be very difficult to do in the water. So, the boys were probably killed somewhere else. So, no one knows where the hell they were actually killed. No one went looking for the primary site because they just took everything at face value. Well, not even. And they took well, things at face value and then they made things up. that it didn't happen there? I don't know. Well, like other experts chime in later, which we'll get to. So Pretty also testified that the time of death was between 1 and 5 a.m. This contradicted the police theory and Jesse's confession. The murders appear to have been committed four hours later than what would have been possible, according to the state's scenario. But I think the time was wrong. And other experts, oh. that comes up later. There's there's something out there that just Isn't makes it? this guy look like an idiot. On the autopsy report and during Jesse's trial, he did the uh, ME did not give an estimated time of death. Actually, we're going to get into it now. During Damien and Jason's trial, he said it was between 1 and 5 p.m. based on lividity. But, here's the, the kicker. The presence of blowfly larvae in the nose and eyes of the bodies put the time of death at 7 or 8 p.m. Blowfly, blowflies find a body and they lay eggs within minutes of death. They lay eggs in the mouth, the nose, the eyes, and open wounds. They they lay hundreds of them. It takes up to 24 hours for eggs eggs to hatch into larva. 
this can be affected by temperature and humidity. The process speeds up as the temperature increases and slows down as it gets cooler. Oh. Not sure what happens if it's submerged in Can water. Can you imagine being an examiner? I would, yes. Ew. <laughs> I would love to, I would, but, oh but yeah. so I looked into this and I couldn't Poor find, people. I couldn't find what happened if it was submerged in water. Like I, I'm on so many watch lists for my search history, mm. but so according to the, just the blowflies alone, there's no way that this can happen in less than 16 and a half hours. So Peretti's time is wrong. These boys were killed between 7 and 8 p.m., which is when uh, Damien Eccles was with his parents visiting the friends. They don't believe that. Now, Judge Burnett would not allow the defense to question Ridge about his interview with John Mark Byers after the blood had been found on the knife's fold. The prosecution did not want the jury to know that within the past six weeks, the police had formally read John Mark his rights and had questioned him about the murders. At an in-camera hearing, Burnett just in-camera is when they go off into the judge's little office or they all come like up to the, the front of the judge mm -hmm. so the jury can't hear it. He, of course, denied this. He said, no, 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 that's not, that's not what's going on. The defense wanted to question Christopher Morgan had confessed to the murders then remember in the beginning because remember he and his that other guy holland um they took off and went to california this is the hypnotist oh okay <laughs> so they wanted to question him because he confessed but then he retracted his statement just like jesse did jesse confessed and then said no nah, that's really not happened i just told you what you wanted to hear burnett told them that he wasn't going to let him confuse the issue with things that weren't relevant. <laughs> so eventually Fogel... So he's going to decide what's yes, relevant? Yes, yes. Eventually Fogelman announced the motive for the killings. You know what it was? Hmm. I have no idea. Cult-related. Oh, gosh, of course. Of course. Cult. Of course. It was cults. Because, I mean, nothing... They didn't cult. know each other. I mean, it was just... Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. So Detective Ridge testified that the boys' ages... Eight years old. Yeah. Was a number Ooh. used in the Wiccan religion. Which For what? I have I've read many strange things. I have not found this. The only thing I have found about the age eight is due to like the adrenochrome, that kind of thing. That's that's like a whole conspiracy theory, not conspiracy theory. I tend to believe it, but we're not gonna get into that here. Okay. Um but could it be a reason? Adrenochrome for these boys? No. Okay. Absolutely not. They probably there's a way even know they about wouldn't. That, they though. no. It wasn't known about it then. These poor nothing boy. You got to be rich and elite to know about that shit. Okay. All right. Anyways, um, he said that there was damage to the left side of the boys' faces, mm -hmm. which was a sign of the occult. I what? I I don't know. This is the first I've heard of that. I have, where, where are they getting their information? Out of their ass. Jason's attorney again requested that the trials be separated because now they brought in the cult. Mm. And Judge Burnett refused again. Go figure. How can they sleep at night? Yeah. Prosecutors offered Jason a deal. They said if he pled oh, guilty and testified against Damien, no. they would seek 40 years. And with good behavior, he could get out in 10 to 15 years. Mm. How could he believe Just wait. Jason refused. Anything. Well, yeah. Well, and here's the thing. If you think, 
if you think just say the psycho murder tortured and murdered these children mm-hmm. you're gonna give him that deal no right. right and if you think your case is strong enough that you're gonna get him you're not gonna offer him that deal true so Jason refused because he knew Damien was innocent and Damien oh. did not know about this offer oh because he probably would have told Jason to take it because they're friends they're best friends J- Damien Isn't knew that he- sad it is it's horrible and Jason is just such a good guy so, one question. Well, none of them deserve that. Absolutely not. I mean, the other two, the other, the other two, had issues, yeah, which made him look a little sus in different areas, but not like this. Yeah, but but, even but if you Damien just look at would but watch he, his bro- I mean, you know, but if you if you mom. just look at Jason though, just, this kid did everything right. Well, <sighs> but yeah, he was just weird. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, yeah. It could so, be any kid. Right. I mean, look weird. at all of them nowadays. Yeah. They're all weird. Yes. So when he was questioned, when um, Damien was questioned by the police on May 10th, which is five days after the murders, he asked the he asked five times for an attorney. Detective Sudbury told him he didn't need one. It would cost a lot of money, and the attorney oh, would geez. and the attorney would quit anyway. <laughs> he had been questioned for eight. Hours. Where, where, where are these kids' parents? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Well, well just wait. He'd been questioned for eight hours that day. They swore at him and said they were, they were going to kick his ass. His mother, here's his mom, mm. called an attorney from a nearby town who happened to be State Senator Mike Everett. He drove to the West Memphis Police Station and asked to see Damien. And they refused him. He asked to see Damien a short time later, and he was told that the building was closed... And he could not go upstairs with where Damien was being questioned. Do police stations close? No. Okay. Right. No. I'm like, I don't, I didn't think so. I hope not. Right? That would be terrifying. Okay, I help you. We're no, man, closed. we're closed. We're closed for the night. I'm oh sorry. Oh, my gosh. So, Burnett said that all of this was irrelevant because the prosecution wasn't using anything that they took that night. How do we know this? We don't. We don't. The pros- this one's funny, too. The prosecution called on Dale Griffiths. He is a P- <laughs> Dale Griffiths Ph.D. to testify as a cult expert. Okay. He has 26 years of law enforcement experience and a doctoral degree from Columbia Pacific. When he was asked by the defense what classes he had taken to earn this degree, he admitted none. <laughs> this was a mail-order Ph.D. from a non-accredited oh. school. So you just read about it from somewhere. I could be an right. occult expert. Right. I probably have read more stuff than he has. Well, you could just read anything and it's, say you're an expert. Yeah. Burnett allowed him to testify as an expert anyways. Oh, my. Griffiths re- referenced a picture Damien had drawn, and the defense objected, stating that any materials taken from Damien's home before the crimes were committed were confidential juvenile records. Remember when he was, like, I think when his first girlfriend's mom wanted him arrested for something, they took a bunch of his stuff, like his drawings and stuff, and they put it in his juvenile file. Okay. That's sealed. That shit's sealed. Mm, wow. But the judge ruled in favor of the prosecution. Diff- Griffiths also quest. Uh, I can't speak this morning. Question. I questioned. <laughs> Griffiths also testified that he had been contacted by crazy-ass Jerry Driver five to six times in the year before 
for the murders. And he was asked specifically about Damien Eccles. Five or six? Yes. So Jerry Driver got a wild hair up his ass every so often and contacted this supposed cult expert, Dale Griffiths, about uh, the occult and Damien Eccles before the murders. Why? I don't know. Because he's nuts and he's obsessed. The crime lab found a piece of, a trace of blue wax on one of the victims. And they took a book titled Never on a Broomstick from Damien's home. So they're like, well, he has a witchcraft book. Broomstick. He has a witchcraft book. Right. And there's candle wax on a child. He must be guilty. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I'm sorry, but... I have so much candle wax. I have so much incense. And your books are and my, so strange. I've got some crazy ass books. I yeah. have crystals all over my house. Yeah. Could you imagine? They yeah, would have so had. A, a they would have a field day. Yes. Oh, so, they also lifted a green polyester fiber from a Cub Scout cap from the scene, because one of the boys yeah. was Cub Scout. It was microscopically similar. <laughs> To fibers, Close enough. yeah. To to fibers from a polyester and cotton shirt found at Damien's house. Oh my gosh! Anybody? The, right, right. The fibers, yeah. Go to Target. I'm sure. Yeah, come, come here. Yeah, come, come here. You can find in, house mm-hmm. and find that. The fibers from this shirt were also microscopically similar to fibers found on a pair of blue pants that had been submerged near the bodies. Mm-hmm. Again, could be owned by anybody. Right. You shop at Walmart. You shop at Target. How many people have the same freaking clothing? Exactly. Or or brush up against somebody's clothing and get maybe like a fiber or something. Yeah. I'm picking stuff off me all the time. Now the police found eleven black T-shirts in Jason's home, which <laughs> same. Yeah. Yeah. A single red ran fiber was found on a white shirt that oh had been gosh. recovered near the victim's bodies. Really. And it was microscopic. How did they find that? Well, it was microscopically similar. Ooh. I would like to know, yeah, because if it's been on, what's his face, his floor? Yeah. <laughs> like, what? So, but, all right. It's microscopically How long similar. on the floor? I don't know. Wow. To fibers from a woman's red bathrobe found during a search of Jason's home. How many people could own this bathrobe? Right. It's not like they're going and buying designer clothing and shit. Exactly. There is secondary transfer, like I had said before, so it suggests that Damien and Jason had picked up fibers from items in their homes and inadvertently left them on the bodies, which, yeah, okay. The fact that the fibers were similar did not signify with any degree of certainty that they had come from the clothing in question, and the analyst admitted on the stand that it really meant nothing, which, yeah, anybody. Right. This part is just... A 12-year-old girl testified oh, that she was at a softball game and heard Damien say that he killed the three boys and Jason, oh, Jason was with him. Now, I did read that he may have said something like, oh, yeah, I killed them, you know, because he was a sarcastic ass. Well. And you know what? You're I mean, being I harassed. Say, I can You're, see that. Absolutely. Sure. You're being harassed. Everybody, you, everybody, nobody liked you <sighs> anyway. What you say, though? Well, exactly, exactly. But it's it didn't always taken out. Of, no, no. In it was taken case. out. Of, it could have been taken out of context. Oh, for sure. It could have been made up or taken out of context. Either one. I or don't she know. could have lied about it. That's what I'm saying. 50-50 yeah. shot. Right. So, after she said she heard this and Jason was with him, mm. 
but she didn't report this at the time. She reported it. She reported it after. She didn't think it was that important until after Damien's arrest. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Now, a 15-year-old also testified that she heard Damien say he th- he killed three little boys, and before he turned himself in, he was going to kill two more. Oh. And already had one of them picked out. Oh. She said Damien was with six or seven other people, but she couldn't identify them. And again, she did not tell anyone about this until after she could Damien him. had been arrested. Damien, the only people Damien hung out with were Jason, his sister, and his girlfriend. Where are you getting all these other people? Right. Bullshit. But again, no one. And, and I think it's a small town. Everybody knows everybody. Mm-hmm. So who were these people? She knew she them. But she didn't know them. But she didn't see them or she didn't know she them. She didn't recognize them. No, couldn't identify them. Remember, remember Gnarly? Narlene? Oh, <laughs> that's right. Dominique's aunt, Narlene Hollingsworth? Narlene. All right. I told you to take this, put this, tuck this in your back pocket. Remember Uh-oh. about the... Um, quiz? About having seen Damien and Dominique muddy walking that night? I forgot. Of course you did. I have different pants All right. on. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> My pocket. <laughs> All right. I know, that was so, that, that was funny though. I was like, huh? <laughs> so Narlene testified that she saw Damien and Dominique on the night of the murders at 9.40 p.m. She said she took her three children and her husband. This is at 9.30 p.m. on a school night. Of course. In a five-seat vehicle to pick up a friend from the laundromat. So, bring speak, the whole damn right. family. So, okay, now let, let's think about this. Oh, it's nine thirty at night on a school night. Yeah, you're yeah. gonna take everybody out. Your your car can fit five people. Mm-hmm. There's your three kids, you and your husband. That's five people. Right. But you're gonna pick somebody up in this car. Oh, right. And so the then, laundry maybe too. I mean, right. So then, that yeah, could maybe go in the trunk. Maybe you could put a person in the trunk. So, and, now why not? Here's this. So Narlene's husband at the time, Ricky said he couldn't tell who the people were that they saw walking. But oh, he also boy. said that his son, Anthony, who was 21, was in the car as well. So now we have six people in this car. Oh, so yes, that just, was another child? Yes, another, another person in this car. Okay. Anthony testified that he was in the car, but so was his brother's girlfriend, Sambra. Sambra? Yeah, I don't know what that is. So now there's seven people. Is this a clown car? I mean, how are we fitting all these it's, people in this car? Maybe they're just little... Now, the daughter, Tabitha, testified that there were only five people in the car. Oh. And at one point, Narlene said that Sambra was not in the car that night when they, but then changed her testimony to say that she was. This is the shit show. I'd be like, dude, lady, you gotta go. Exactly. You You gotta go. You and all those people with you have to go. (laughs) Yes. So I'm like, just, once you start, it's ridiculous. It's, no. Just no. When you're contradicting yourself. <laughs> Left and adult. right. Yeah, everybody in the car is saying something different. Right. Oh, my god. According to Dominique, she got home around 6 p.m. and she was home for the rest of the night. And this was verified by her mother. Oh, it doesn't really matter. So, no, it doesn't. No, so, I'm surprised but, she's not in on this, too. <laughs> but Narlene could not have... Well, Dominique is pregnant with Damien's baby. Well, actually, I'm no, I'm she just gave birth to though, that they just didn't... Throw her in there, too? Yeah. The I, Why not? Because... Yeah. Women didn't do that then. I don't know. <laughs> I don't oh. know. I don't know. I'm just throwing shit out there. Maybe, yeah. Okay. There was no mention of Jason in Narlene's original statement. 
But during the trial, the prosecution said she could have really seen Damien and Jason and not Damien and Domini. Maybe Narlene was just mistaken. Maybe she was drinking. <laughs> what the hell? What, what is that, Boone's Farm or something? Oh, my God. Yeah, MD 2020. Oh, is that Boone's Farm? That, that takes MD me back. I don't know what that is. That's before my time. That was some wicked cheap. Mm. Boone's Farm, though, tasted like juice. Yeah. That was so <laughs> That was dangerous. That like the 2020 would just get you like the hand knees. grenades, like the hand grenades oh. in New Orleans, tasted oh, like juice. And it was like whoa, ten that's, minutes later. That's, that's, yeah, that's, that's dangerous. Very. Just suck it down, and you're like, oh no. Oh my goodness. So yeah. Wow. So that's what went on here. Okay. <sighs> <laughs> Jason's attorney asked Judge Burnett to issue a verdict on the spot and acquit Jason because there's nothing pointing to him. Right. And a judge can do this. When the evidence is inf- insufficient. And exactly. it was. Yeah. There was nothing to place Jason. There was no eye- eyewitnesses. Nothing. And Damien's attorney said, yeah, do the same for our guy because... All of them. This is ridiculous. Right. But Burnett ruled that the case was more than sufficient. Oh, jeez. After the prosecution... He needed, like, a psyche valve. <laughs> he doesn't believe in those, remember? He wrote, like, a whole doctoral thesis about how you shouldn't really... Listen to um, psychologists and psychiatrists oh, at trial, they and you know, they don't know what they're talking about. Mm. <laughs> After the prosecution rested, Bob Lancaster of the Arkansas Times wrote, I'm going to quote this, mm. When the prosecution rested the state's case, about all it had proved was, one, that the murders had indeed occurred, and two, how the victims died. It had proved the deed and the how, but not the who, the why, the where, or even the when. No motive, opportunity... Wait, oh, rephrase that. No motive, opportunity not clearly established, time of death disputed, and not a single shred of tangible evidence linking any of the defendants to the crime. It looked like the prosecutors were trying to portray Damien as a devil-driven monster who was capable of the crime and therefore must have done it. When you have reporters wow. saying this... Who are smarter than the judge and... It's wild. Yeah, everybody involved. Police. Oh my goodness. Damien did testify. Which I don't know if I would. Well, Kyle Rittenhouse did, and it helped him. But then again, he really, I mean, he had a lot of evidence backing him up, too. But I digress. <laughs> we'll get into that. We're going to cover the Rittenhouse. Well, and that's a sore subject. I don't care. Some I'm going to, yeah, people who don't pay attention to the truth and just listen to bullshit spouted by people who weren't even there. Well, but, look at look at January sixth. Yeah, that's ridiculous. We're not even going to get into okay. that's really a fiery topic. Yeah. But no, on the anniversary of the Kenosha riots, the fiery but peaceful protests, <laughs> I'm going to cover that because, yeah, I wasn't close to there and I wasn't. Uh, I didn't feel too yeah, comfortable. The protests, not the riots. No, not riots. The no, protests. fiery but peaceful. Mm-hmm. Fiery. Right. Fiery. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so Damien didn't know that he was going to testify until five minutes before. Oh. So he had no preparation. Yeah, Yeah, just... That was his attorney. Yeah, they just threw him out there. Like, here... What the hell? So, when he testified, you know, he obviously... He read Dean Koontz and Stephen King and Anne Rice. Same. Yeah. He studied different religions. Same. Mm -hmm. Because... Not for me, though. Yeah. I think they're interesting. Right, but but at at that particular moment, I don't know if I would... Yeah, I know. Because he said he always wondered if he had the right one. Oh, sure. Don't we all? No. 
Well, I mean, I'm confident that I. Me too. But but, but you yeah, you are always wonder because like, that's what your parents. Are. True. True. Because somebody came to me with something, I'd be like, yeah, no, nah, man. You, no, you, but you, everybody believes their own. And it's what they were. Right. And this kid up. was just, I mean, he just seemed very, like, intellectual, just kind of yeah, searching. Just, which, sure. whatever. Right. There are passages in his journal that the prosecution presented. They were quotes from William Shakespeare, Metallica, oh. and the Twilight Zone. <laughs> oh, God. Like, are you kidding me? Like, ima- no. like so somebody had written, imagine if he had found um, Edgar Allan Poe. What, if you, oh, like, gosh. like any quotes? Right. Like, oh, my like, gosh. <laughs> he testified that the book that he had taken out, Cotton Mather on Witchcraft, isn't mm-hmm. a book on witchcraft. I already knew this because we had to read this shit in high school. It was written by a Puritan minister and is about different ways they could torture people oh. or kept them locked up until they gave in and claimed to be a witch, and then they were killed. Does this sound familiar? Yes. <laughs> so I'm like, wow, just the parallels there. Come on, guys. Like, Pay attention. So it wasn't even... It was about the Salem witch trials and right. what these jerks did back then. So when he was asked about how he felt about being charged with the murders, he said different ways. Sometimes angry when I see stuff on TV. Sometimes sad. Sometimes scared. Which, yeah, I'd be terrified. Sure. Damien was manic depressive. Like bipolar. Mm-hmm. When the prosecution asked him what happens when he doesn't take his meds, he says he cries. He stays by himself most of the time. He gets headaches and he becomes depressed. They asked if he gets violent when his meds are out of balance, and he replied, only toward myself. Ah. uh, Damien was asked why he thought the victims were so young. His attorney should have objected because Damien is not an expert and he would have no way of knowing this, but his attorney had no idea. Damien stated that the younger the victim, the more innocent they would be, which, true... The more innocent the victim, the more power the person would have gotten from the sacrifice. And he claimed to have gotten this from books and movies that he watched. Okay. I mean, me, I get this from podcasts I listen to, you know. Damien's attorney questioned Gitchell. He admitted that the department didn't have any written procedures for handling evidence. He said that they lost the blood evidence taken from the Bojangles restaurant and said that the audio recording from Vicky's trailer had been inaudible, so no transcript was ever made of this. Burnett declared all of that to be irrelevant. So they've got irrelevant. nothing. No, they have nothing. Nothing. He allowed the disputed weapons, the lake knife mm-hmm. and the sticks, to be entered into evidence, which, great. Uh, he would not allow the defense to call Christopher Morgan to the stand. He issued a gag order on this, meaning that no one could say that he prohibited the defense from telling the press that the state of Arkansas objected to a witness. Because Burnett would not allow them to question this guy and wouldn't allow the defense to question the ruling. So nobody's going to know any of this right here. Jeez. Because the people would be like, well, why? Why does he not want him to testify? Right. Why would they not want that? Why does one side want one? You know, it would throw a doubt in there. This was a public trial that had... I have no faith in any of these people. I know. This was a public trial, which had been played out in front of the Mm -hmm. press. But when there was evidence detrimental to the prosecution, then it was discussed in private. So anything, you know, making the guys look bad... Right. Let's tell everybody. Anything Mm -hmm. that makes the prosecution look like they don't know what the hell they're talking about or there could be another suspect, ah, we're not going to discuss that. But I thought that that other... um, uh, 
who was that guy that wrote in the, the paper? He was just a... No, because he was sitting there. And he's like, okay, oh. this is what they've established. This is it. They haven't convinced me of anything. So this guy, Christopher Morgan, his attorney stated that the drug charges he faced might relate to their murders and that they represented part of the reason Morgan didn't want to testify. If Morgan took the stand, he would assert his Fifth Amendment right, Fifth Amendment right, and would appear it would appear to the public and probably to the jurors that he must have done something. So Burnett ruled that Morgan was not required to testify. Mm. What I find interesting about this is that okay, just talking about drug charges might relate to the murders. Mm-hmm. Who's a drug dealer that we know of? John Mark Byers. Christopher's stepfather, father, stepfather, maybe I don't know. Which I find that interesting. That whole connection there. Right. The defense called an expert in hair and fiber from a lab in Texas. Testified that his examination of the red fibers excludes the red robe from Jason's home as being a possible source. Oh. Mm-hmm. Jason's mother, bless her, had tried to get time off of work to attend the trial and oh, support her gosh. son. Her boss wouldn't allow it, so she quit. Okay. But because she had been listed as a potential witness, she could not be in the courtroom. So she gave up her job to spend three weeks waiting in the lobby of the courthouse and to never have testified. Oh. Yeah. And you wonder how they made it. I I would like to know, yeah. Oh, my God. That is so sad. Poor Jason. He felt lost and alone, and he was worried about his family, but he felt that the truth would come out in time. Well, right. Because you would think. You you have faith in the justice system. Before the trial... Remember, the prosecution offered Jason 40 years. Mm-hmm. During the trial, they offered him 20. And he said, I didn't think there was no possible way they could find us guilty when we didn't do it. Not in America. Yeah. It's not what I was raised up to believe would happen oh. in America. So oh, obviously, kid. I know. I learned the hard way. Yeah. Ordinarily, when a defendant is charged with capital murder, he'll ask the jury to be instructed to con- consider lesser charges like first or second degree murder right and prosecutors often oppose that request but in this case the prosecution wanted the jury to be able to consider alternatives to capital murder and the because they didn't have anything well right and they thought okay well maybe we can get them on something but the defense didn't want that they wanted the jurors to consider only the most severe charges because it's insane or to find them innocent which they were and Burnett decided with the prosecution, because he just didn't give a shit, he wanted them dead. They thought there was no, the defense thought that there was no way the jury could convict them of these horribly severe charges with basically no evidence. The prosecution knew their case was weak and wanted to get them on anything. Okay, I'm, I'm probably jumping the gun. Okay. Well, okay, I shouldn't. Okay. I'll, I'll save this for the right. end. Are you going to remember it? I can write it down. <laughs> no, right. <laughs> write it on my hand. That's what I knew. After the defense rested, Fogelman requested to introduce new evidence. Prosecution rested, defense rested, and now the prosecution wants to introduce something else. Oh, yay. Blood had been discovered on a necklace taken from Damien ten months earlier. Oh, and it was one of the little well, boys? No, no. There are two types of blood found. <sighs> one was a match to Damien. Well, maybe. The other was consistent with the blood type of Jason, Stevie, 
and about 11% of the Caucasian population. Oh, my Lord. The prosecution had already rested. The evidence was not newly discovered. The prosecution had this necklace the entire time and didn't do anything with Uh it. So if the prosecution wanted to introduce this, they would have to sever Jason's trial from Damien's. So they decided against it. Oh, but, so but, 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 long you gonna keep going? not long after this, the Jonesboro Sun reported rumors that DNA testing had been done on the blood found on Damien's necklace. They wouldn't say what it was, but they kind of just threw that out there. Just, you have a hair in your face. Just to make them, um, make people, yes, just to make, make people wonder, you know? Like, right. Ooh, what was this DNA? Why wasn't, yeah. On March 17th, 1994... After 10 hours and 40 minutes of deliberation over two days, both Damien and Jason were found guilty of capital murder and the deaths of all three boys. Oh, my. I bet it would. They were. Just, I can't. I well, can't. You know, though, I don't know how surprised I would be. Yeah. Seeing this whole thing mm-hmm. play, play out, out like this. Like, this is just a shit show. This is ridiculous. Right. Yeah. But the jury. Well, here... Mm, I mean, were they all actually, just, money? I'm getting to this. Just wait. Before the sentencing phase, jury foreman and his daughter allegedly received threats, mm. allegedly, from someone claiming to be connected to Damien. Oh, geez. Another juror reported receiving crank calls. The jurors discussed this amongst themselves. The defense team worried that the jury wouldn't be impartial and that they had been tainted, but Burnett chose to proceed. It was probably the police probably, calling them right? mm-hmm. and telling them mm-hmm. you better, you know, make them guilty. So it later came out that oh. the foreman, the jury foreman, Kent Arnold, had his mind made up. Oh. He actively sought to get on the jury. Oh. He lied to get there and worked to turn the jury against the defendants. He said that because there was no real physical evidence, it was up to him to convince the jury of the defendant's oh, guilt. Oh, my. He even introduced Jesse's confession to the jury, even though it was not presented in court. There were notes found in one of the jurors' personal notebooks that they kept with them. Why didn't the jury ask to see these, what, what this guy was saying? Because you can ask for, um, you know, things. Because, what, for the, ask to see the journal? Yeah. The confession? Because it wasn't allowed. Well, then. They shouldn't have had, they shouldn't have known anything about it. But because this guy snuck it in, mm. and I say snuck loosely, that they were taint- they were all tainted. But these people knew he just snuck it in. Yeah, they knew. The jurors knew, And yeah. they believed this yes. guy? Yes, Yep. How the hell did he know? I, I don't I mean, know. Where did he get this? Probably from a police oh, officer. My. Who knows? Attorney, who knows? <sighs> um, the jury took Jason's age and lack of prior criminal record into consideration. Geez, thanks. Sentenced mm-hmm. him to three counts of life in prison without parole. <laughs> What the fuck? Oh, gee whiz. Yeah. Great. Thanks, guys. Thanks. (laughs) Wow. Thanks for that break you gave me. Yeah. Damien was sentenced to death by lethal injection. Oh, God. After Jason had been taken back to jail, he cried it all out. Yeah. And then vowed to never cry again. Who is this? Jason. He prayed that things would still turn out good in the end and that his mother and brothers would be okay. He knew it would be rough for him in prison, but his family would have to live out there. With all the lies and the rumors. True. He played basketball with the chaplain, and he studied the Bible. He worked long days in the Arkansas Sun on one of the prison's host squads. Hmm. 
While in prison, he received death threats, and oh. he had been attacked and had a few bro- broken bones. Yeah. Well, because people think he did this to these children. And those are like the lowest forms of life in prison. Yeah. Now, Jason's attorney, Paul Ford, filed a motion for a new trial. He alleged that at a crucial point in the trial, Judge Burnett had met privately with Davis and Fogelman to discuss the prosecution's trial strategy. So this is the conversation about the blood oh on the necklace. Gosh. Burnett dismissed Ford's motion. Of course, of course. How is that even possible I don't, that yeah. somebody's got well, all that power? Yeah. So Jesse frequently got in trouble for swearing, refusing to work, fighting, and drinking. He spent a lot of time in isolation. I would, too. He eventually learned to control himself and was put to work in the kitchen. Wouldn't you rather be in isolation? Yeah, I would. Me, too. Like, you know what? Just leave me here by myself. I'm safe. (laughs) Oh, shit. Damien went straight to death row in the state's maximum security unit. It was a single-man cell, and his antidepressant meds were immediately stopped cold turkey. So he had to go through withdrawal. First of all, he should never have been on death row because he, Social Security deemed him, like, mentally disabled. He never should have been on death row. Never. You cannot kill a person who is not mentally and physically well. You can't. And you cannot stop their medication. No, but they did. I mean, and it's not just because he needs it, but... Right. But legally. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's so much much wrong thing. Had to deal with all of his issues mm-hmm. then, and I'm sure they didn't have a well, therapist. Well, it's, no. He said mm. the cell block was constantly noisy. Inmates ranted, shouting, there was violence, guards in riot gear raided cells. Mm. After about a month or two, two guards searched Damien's cell, and they found a knife. He claimed not to have known anything about it. Oh my God, these bastards. And was sent, was sent to the hole for a month, where oh. he was denied food and was beaten. Oh. Later on. Who beat him? Just the police? The guards. Why? Because he was a convicted child molest, well, child murderer. Well, you don't need to beat them, though. But they do. Mm. Especially back in South Arkansas in, like, the early 90s. Are you kidding me? Oh, God. Can you imagine? So, no. When they die and, and mm. oh, when they get up yep. with Jesus? You're just going to be like, yeah, you're not, you, you're not coming here. Wow, so, send him to hell. Later on, another inmate admitted to Damien that he had planted the knife. <gasps> Jesus, this poor kid can't so get a part, break. So part of the cell had crumbled. So Damien's cell, because mm. the, the, yeah, the conditions sure. were horrible, his cell was connected to that of another prisoner named Mark Edward Gardner, who repeatedly raped and beat and raped him about 40 times. Did. De- he did this to Damien? Yes, because the cell, like the walls between oh, their cells was crumbled. Yeah, yeah, he had it bad. Oh. Several high-ranking officers at the prison knew this and did nothing to prevent it. Oh, God. Damien did file a lawsuit against the prison for not doing anything about this, but oh, I, I couldn't find out. I couldn't find the outcome of that. I'm sure there was nothing. I'm sure. Nothing. Two years after the trials, the court-appointed attorneys still had not been paid. <laughs> so the attorneys raised 44 points in their appeals for Damien Jason. They went to the Arkansas Supreme Court, and an opinion was handed down two days before Christmas of 1996. It was 93 pages long. It was the longest in the court's recent history. They unanimously, unanimously found that the trial had been fair oh. and that Judge Burnett had made no errors. But remember, oh. judges don't like to, of course to say not. that other judges were wrong oh, right, right. or overturn their verdicts. No. 
1996, Bruce Sadowski and Joe Berlinger mm. released the documentary Paradise Lost, The Child Murders at Robin Hood Hills, which, ooh, I told you about this one earlier, because you had Metallica. So this is all about these guys? Yes. Oh. There's three There's three of them? There's three of them. Mm. And... So it opens with like footage of the boys, like the like you know Metallica playing in the background, the boys' bodies like in the ditch. But this and in this documentary, in this documentary though, they portray them as innocent. They don't. They're neutral. Okay. They're just following this, oh, like as okay. it's happening. There were interviews with like, the accused and the victims' families. They showed images of West Memphis, poor area. Um, the court proceedings, and they didn't offer, like, an opinion or a conclusion or anything oh. like that. It won an Emmy in 1997 for the best document. Wow. They won It won a Best Documentary Award from the National Board Review of Motion Pictures and the Silver Gavel Certificate of Merit from the American Bar Association. You would have thought, so though. So just, wait, what? Like, an attorney. Well, I mean... Nobody well, knew about it until this documentary. Okay, so, but so after the documentary... We're getting, we're getting into it. Jeez. And how long... Hold how, your horses, lady. How, how long of a, a, a well, time frame is it's, this? It, this take, anything legal takes forever. Right. You know, but, with the whole oh asshole God. neighbor and Finn. Yes. It took forever. Yes. So there are three friends in L.A. Burke Stahls, Kathy Bacon? Bacon? It's B-A- Bacon. Mm-hmm. It's B-A-K-K... Oh, gross. Like B-A-K-K-E-N. Bacon. Is it Bacon? Okay. And Grove Pashley flew down to meet the prisoners and their attorneys. They felt that this was a modern-day witch trial, and they founded the site WM3.org, which became a clearinghouse for information and opinions on the case. Oh. It urged supporters to write to the Arkansas governor, Mike Huckabee, asking that he press for a re-examination of the case, which he didn't. He did not? Huckabee? No. He's useless. I thought he was. He was useless. In the documentary, Gitchell encouraged people to view the evidence for themselves. Mm. The website also raised money to pay for experts to review the case. At the time of the West Memphis investigation, the Arkansas Medical Examiner's Office had lost its accreditation. Oh, I was there a fire? No. Well, just wait. It had lost its accreditation by the National Association of Medical Examiners. Oh, so shit. why are we trusting this guy? Why are we believing anything that they say? Right, right. So after the documentary Jeez. gained popularity, mail began pouring in for the inmates. But letters to Damien in particular were frequently not delivered by staff at the maximum security unit. Of course not. So people would then contact the U.S. Post Office because it was illegal. And then the letters would start coming through again. But then they would stop. You know, it's just, just a process. Wow. They just did this shit all the time. Wow. Damien began corresponding with a New York architect named Lori Davis. And they became good friends. And um, after the trials, Vicki Hutchinson contacted private investigator Ron Lax and said that police interviewed Aaron on several occasions without her present. And she had intended to sue the city because her actions had caused Aaron severe mental problems. Okay, wait. I think Vicki's actions caused her son severe mental problems. Oh, yeah. She wanted to get out of her crime. Remember, she was ripped off her employer. She wanted that reward money. She was telling her kid to say all this crazy oh, shit. No. No. I mean, yeah, the, what the police did was wrong, but what she did was wrong, too. So knock it off. Um, she stated that she'd never signed a release to have the tape recorder stalled in her trailer. 
and Gitchell had lied on the stand when he said that they did have a release. She said Rich told her that they would take care of her hot checks in return for her testimony and told her not to tell anyone about it. That's her child? The Aaron? Yep. Uh. Vicky contacted Lax again and told him that she had been on the Maury Povich show. This is before it was all about, like, who your baby daddy. And, <laughs> right. And you are not the father. He's still doing that. Is he still doing that? He, yes. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Wow. I know. I mean, how Is he still... He- Married to that with so. Connie Chung? I think so. Who was like an actual reporter and he well, was just like a whatever. Who your yeah. baby daddy. And yeah, then they're like, I am not the father. And they're like, I But know. I was a virgin until you I met you. And then they're like, But he is not the father and they look like, like Oh, well, I don't know. All right. Then. Like, oh so much for being a virgin. Yeah. Right. So she told him to check out the Maripovich show because Hobbs and Byers families were on it and he needed to check it out. Now Eight months after the defendants were taken to prison, mm-hmm. Terry Hobbs, Stevie Branch's stepdad, right, yeah. beat up his wife, Pam. Oh, my. She called a relative and said she thought that Terry had broken her jaw, so Pam went to the hospital. And while she was there, a group of her relatives went to confront Terry, and a fight ensued. I had to put chapstick on because my lips are of course. I'm getting a little parched. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pam's brother, Jackie... Then wrestled Terry to the ground, and Terry pulled out a gun and shot him in the abdomen. Oh, Terry, he's, he's a goner. Isn't no, he? no. Terry then got up, oh, pointed the gun at the other other relatives and threatened to shoot them as well. Now Jackie did survive. Okay. And Terry was charged with assault on Pam and aggravated assault on his brother-in-law. Yes. Dana Moore, Michael's mother. Okay. Struck and killed a pedestrian while driving on a rural road in Crittenden County. Oh, gosh. She was charged with driving while intoxicated, mm. pled guilty, and was... Here's the thing. Was she intoxicated? Yes. Okay. That's what I said. Driving, I know. Oh, yeah. I, I, who knows if they're Yeah, lying. that's true. No, she pled guilty and was sentenced to... Okay, so she okay. she hit somebody and killed them. Right. 60 months probation. Oof. Fined $250. And was ordered to pay restitution of $2,500. So, slap on the wrist. Right. For killing someone. Well, but they... I don't give a shit. They made it look like these boys killed those three. That is... Yeah. We're just kind of... even still then, why is she not in jail for the rest of her life then? Yeah, she killed somebody. She killed them. Oh, God. Try to live with that. Mm. Mm. So there was no drinking and driving. No, well, no, I hope not. No, never. But people don't listen. Now Vicky <laughs> again contacted Ron Lax, and basically she recanted her entire testimony. She said that everything she had said was what the West Memphis police wanted her to say, which is true. Now, Lax had also been contacted by somebody named Ricky Murray, who was Christopher Byers' biological father. Now, remember John Mark Byers? Maybe the biological right. father, but according to this guy, he thinks he it, it's a mess. <laughs> Do they know? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Um, he stated that Melissa Byers had been a heroin addict since oh. the age of 12. Yikes. He said he never gave up his parental rights and that John Mark had never adopted Christopher. Okay. But yet John Mark claimed Christopher's his son. He could be his son. So where, I don't where know. was this other guy? That's... All along. Yeah, it's weird. They, I think he was Is that like, like uncle. No, <laughs> I mean, no, I don't know, but he's not. He's not in the picture. The he was not in the never picture. in the picture. The dad is. 
I think he was for a little while, but not that But now long. all of a sudden he's getting in the picture? Well, because he's saying, because he probably got wind of all this and he's like, this isn't right. He posted on West... Where the hell was he? He could have been have there. He could have been there. head in the sand all this time? Maybe nobody listened to him. I don't know. But he posted on westmemphis3.org that he didn't believe that those mm-hmm. the three killed his son or the other two boys. He doesn't believe that. He also said that on... Oh, also, another thing that came up. On the day the boys disappeared, Melissa's father, Kilburn, which is an oh, interesting name. these names there. He was supposed to stay with Christopher when Christopher got home from school. Just in case John Mark wasn't back from his medical appointment from his brain tumor that he may or may not have had. I don't know. He said when he got back to the buyer's house, John Mark was already home. And he told Kilburn he was going to pick up Christopher and Kilburn could go home. So he changed up the plans that day. Why, I don't know. But this is... I don't know if this was before or after he caught Christopher on a skateboard or a bike in the road and, like, whooped him. I don't know. After the trials, this is wild, the buyers moved to a community in north-central Arkansas near the Missouri line. In September of 1994, John Mark and Melissa were arrested for the theft of antiques worth more than $20,000 from a residence near their new home. Oh, God, they stole from their neighbors? Yep. (laughs) They posted bond of $5,000 each. Two weeks later, John Mark was arrested again. He was charged with contributing to the delinquency of a minor. John Mark had goaded a boy who had been riding with him in his car. Why? I do not know. Who is this boy? I don't know. To fight with another boy who had taunted him. Byers pulled his car over and told the boy to settle things like a man. Mm. During the fight, John Mark stood by his car with a twenty-two bolt-action rifle pointed at the ground to ensure that the fight was fair. What a nut. No, I know. What? Byers also told the boy to get a pocket knife out of his car and fight with it. People tried to stop the fight, but buyers would tell them to stay put. He had that oh, gun. Yeah, yeah. And the other boy in the what fight... What about calling the... Well, they're calling the police, but yeah, they're not really... Yeah. The other boy in the fight had to be taken to the hospital. Oh, gosh. Now, the John Mark and Melissa Byers also had a feud with their neighbors. It started with John Mark swatting their five-year-old son with a fly swatter. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. So this whole thing just kept going, kept going. And one day, Melissa Byers told them... She said... These neighbors had put them in a hole, and they, the buyers, would put the neighbors in a hole oh, they couldn't get out of. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's a death threat. Oh. And the buyers also warned the parents, you can't watch your family 24 hours a day. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> neighbors, oh. The neighbors reported bullet holes inside of their house, but couldn't prove how they got there. Oh. And they got a restraining order against the buyers. It doesn't do much? No, it doesn't do anything. Mm-mm. A motorhome belonging to the woman whose house they had burglarized, yeah, mysteriously exploded and burned in her driveway when she was out of town. Oh, my gosh. Wow. John Mark posted $1,000 bond when arrested for the fight between... Where did he get the money? That's the question. He didn't have a money. So that, Well, this is oh. for the fight between the boys. Right. He didn't have a phone. He didn't have gas for hot water. And they had very little money. How did he post this bond? Right. Uh-huh. Now, on March 29th, 1996, an ambulance was called to the buyer's residence. Melissa was unconscious when the medics arrived, and she was pronounced dead at the hospital an hour and ten minutes later. Buyers ran to a neighbor and told them to call for an ambulance, because they didn't have a phone. The neighbor was confused and went over to help. 
He instructed John Mark to do CPR. Now, at the time, Melissa was completely naked, and John Mark and Ryan, the 16-year-old, were trying to dress her. I don't know what the hell's going on there. Ryan left the home before the ambulance arrived. He left so fast. Wait, who's Ryan? The, the older son, remember? They had Ryan and Christopher. Oh. Yeah. I forgot about that. Um, he left so fast, he almost flipped the car. <laughs> I don't think he ever came back, either. Um, the neighbor met John Mark at the hospital. John Mark told him he thought Melissa overdosed, but that they, in quotes, were going to accuse him of smothering her. Why would he say this? Uh, wait, why didn't you have any clothes on? I don't know. Now, the investigators received the autopsy results six months later. Oh, and I bet she was, like, the Arkansas, suffered... Well, the, the Arkansas medical examiner reported that his office had been unable to determine whether the physical evidence of her death or... Oh either the physical evidence or her death or the legal manner of her death. So if it was natural causes, accidents, suicide, homicide. They didn't homicide, know? They didn't know. For anybody listening in Arkansas, which I don't believe we have any, holy shit. Oh, wow. Holy shit, move. Yikes. Just move. Now, this case would remain open, and the autopsy report would be sealed, which who's is gonna... interesting. I don't know. Anybody who's maybe looking into the West Memphis 3 case? Now, when John Mark went to court for the charges of the burglary, he was not sent to prison if he paid $20,000 in restitution to the woman whose house he burgled. Oh my. <laughs> burgled? Yeah, it's a word. <laughs> okay. And if he would leave town and never return. He was ordered to not to remain, reside, or enter any of the five counties that, com- that comprise the North Arkansas Judicial District. His banishment is almost never imposed because the Arkansas Constitution forbids it. But they did it. Now, a witness... They didn't put him in jail. No. And even, and even well, and his here's wife the thing. died. But here's the and thing. And that's suspicious. Here's the thing, though. <laughs> he didn't pay the $20,000 restitution. Well, how could he? <laughs> no. But they just... He didn't go to jail. They just kicked him out. A witness did come forward stating that Melissa had found out that John Mark had been cheating on her, which Ew. is... Fascinating to me because... Man, if you you got to check that, you got to see this guy. See You've seen him. You've seen him. Remember, he was the one talking about when he was younger. He was raped when thrown in a ditch. And he the, the blonde haired, creepy looking dude. I'll show you later. Oh. But um, yeah. If that's what he looks like, I wanted. Well, I kind of want to know well. what the woman he was cheating with looked like. What they all looked like, or what? What did Melissa look he was, like? He was. I don't. I don't think she was that. I mean, she. She kind of. She was. She was kind of. I mean, she was. A little run down. She. She was a redneck looking, white trash looking. <laughs> um, that's John. This Mark. is the guy. Yeah. Oh. Ew. Yeah, that's him older. Uh, this is him. Mm. This was him. He was younger. Um, oh yeah, I, <laughs> I think those. Those are his fake teeth he was putting in. Cause remember he had his teeth. He, oh. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> Ew. Okay. So. So. Um, <laughs> mm. uh, let's see. On the day she died, Melissa told John Mark she wanted a divorce. Okay, wait. How did... Who knows this? A witness came forward. Now, also... How did they know Just this? wait. Melissa told her parents she wanted to divorce Mark, but he told her he wasn't going to divorce another woman. Nothing came of this. Nobody investigated uh. this. <laughs> Here's another thing. One day, John Mark... 
place to call. This is going to be a long episode. I'm sorry. This just keeps going. That I'm trying to get this done. Needs I know. I'm trying to get... I'm, I'm trying to... Um, John Mark placed a call and invited the person on the other end to come by his house and buy more stuff. When the person on the other end asked what stuff, John Mark replied, pot. John Mark accidentally called a state trooper. <laughs> the trooper pretended to have a bad memory and asked for the address. The trooper then contacted ever- undercover narcotics Doesn't officers. Matter. No, and they went to John Mark's house. And he was they arrested. All just no, smoke? no, <laughs> no, surprisingly, no. He was arrested and sentenced to five years in prison for selling Xanax. But the okay, here's this though. But the judge suspended the sentence and placed him on twenty months probation and ordered him to pay a fine. So wait, is this the same judge? Uh, I don't think so. No. Now then, after this, Byers returned to the area from which he had been exiled. Remember, well, they I was going to say. So he, he went back there. there. He went back there. The prosecutor found out and was like, "Screw this, man." So, he was ordered to serve eight years at Pine, Pine Bluff State Prison. But he only served 15 months. Mm. I mean, this guy, what a fucking nuts. lucky man. Oh. So, at this point, John Mark Byers' criminal career... And then nobody... <laughs> no. I mean, just wait. what about Melissa? Just wait. His criminal Who career included conviction for felony terrorist, terroristic threatening. Oh. Remember with his ex in the beginning? Threatened to kill her with, or with a taser or whatever. <laughs> Um, he had been admitted guilt in a $20,000 Rolex fraud. He had oh. drug and weapons arrests, hot check conviction, conviction con- contributing to the delinquency of a minor. All this, and he did nothing. Wow. 15 months. Wow. Can you imagine just so, living like that? Nope. I would be so stressed. It would be such a <laughs> stressful way of life. I'm kidding. I'm stressed. Right. I'm normal I've life. i anxiety issues now. Shit. No. So now we're going to talk about Terry Hobbs. <clears throat> Terry Hobbs is Stevie Branch's stepfather. Oh. The one who shot Jackie in the abdomen after beating oh. his wife. Oh, yeah. yeah. At the hospital. Yeah. <clears throat> he became, a, while he was in, I can hear your, they're going to hear your, our 67 listeners. I'm drinking are gonna water. are going to hear your crunchy water bottle. Sorry. So hmm. Terry Hobbs, while in the military, became a skilled butcher. <laughs> Now, this is before all this happened, right? Why did you tell me? I'm I sorry. water in my mouth. I didn't, I didn't. I don't know what you think is so funny about this. A butcher? This is when he was in the middle. This is before all this happened, right? Oh. He had opened about... Jeez. So he And he had opened about 30 restaurants, but had financial troubles. At the end, at the time of the murders, he worked for the West... I'm sorry, for the Memphis Ice Cream Company. And he was home in the evenings when his wife worked four-hour shifts at Catfish Island. Terry's home was not searched, and he was not questioned by police. Terry separated from his wife and moved away within two weeks after the murders. Hmm. He cannot account for his whereabouts from for 6.30 to 8 o'clock p.m. that, that day, 8.30 to 9.15 p.m., 10.10 to 11.15 so p.m. So these kids were yep, yep. How come none of this came out before? Nobody, I mean, nobody cared. Nobody. Asked they had. Him they then? had. They were laser pointed oh, at those three and, boys. And he was a butcher, and, so yep, he knew how to like yep, precisely. Yep. Oh. And from two thirty to five a.m. <sighs> All we know is that Terry dropped Pam off at work at five p.m. and picked her up at nine p.m. Mm. He claimed to have been with his friend David Jacoby, but Jacoby denied it and was also not questioned by the police. 
Why didn't Why didn't Jacoby go to like the the boy's attorney and I say, don't know. Hey. I don't think it would have mattered. So uh, now Pam, Hob- Pam Hobbs thinks Damien, Jason, and Jesse might be innocent. Jeez. Pam and her family have stated that they always suspected Terry may have been involved. Well. But yet they were so quick to want to fry mm. Damien, Jason, and Jesse. Now, Clary, Clary, Terry claims that after briefly searching the woods with his daughter, Amanda, he ran into Dana Moore and followed her to her house. They met up with John Mark Byers, and that's when they find, found out that all of the boys have been together. This supposedly happened before 6 p.m., but John Mark filed an affidavit stating that he didn't see Terry during this time, period. Terry said he went to the woods between 6 and 6.30 with his friend David Jacoby. In an interview, he described 20 to 40 people searching on three- and four-wheelers, motorcycles, and bicycles. But this was a lie because there was no immediate massive turnout and the boys weren't reported missing until 8 p.m. So how could he have been doing all this? David Jacoby declared in an affidavit that he was not in the woods with Terry at this time. Where the hell were Terry, these people before? Terry described... This was during, this was during all this. Terry described searching the area where the boys had been found and said, and described walking on the path that led to the ditch mm. where the boys had been found. Later, he said he was never within 100 yards of this area. Close family and friends of Pan Hobbs gave, gave sworn depositions. Stevie's aunt stated that Terry repeatedly sexually molested his daughter, Ugh. used cocaine and crystal meth. She said that on 5 6 of 93. Mm. She went to the Hobbs house. Terry was washing the laundry, both clean and dirty. Why would you do that? <laughs> and said she found Stevie's pocket knife among Terry's belongings. Pam was surprised that the knife was not on Stevie's body. It was his prized possession. Oh. The aunt said she also discovered that Terry had a large collection of knives. Mm. Terry gave contradictory statements about Stevie's knife. First, he didn't remember Stevie ever having one. Then he saw Stevie with it, but took it away until he was old enough to have it, and he put it in a drawer with his other knives. Now, Judy Sadler, another one of Stevie's aunts, said that Stevie told her Terry locked him in the closet and beat him. Mm. Terry forced Stevie to sexually molest his sister and made Stevie watch him masturbate. Uh. Sheila Hick, another another aunt of Stevie's, stated Terry whipped Stevie, leaving welts. She said he forced Stevie to play dead cockroach, which was lying on his back with arms and legs raised. When his limbs grew tired and he tried to lower them, Terry would whoop him. Stevie told her about fights between Pam and Terry where he had seen Terry strangling her. And said in 1997 she saw Terry simulating sex with Amanda, who was nine years old. Marie Hicks, Stevie's grandmother, claimed Terry was physically and sexually abusive, used drugs, and was an alcoholic. All these women knew? mm Mm-hmm. Said that when Amanda was young, she told her that Terry had stuck his finger in her booty. Ew. So why did no one do anything about this shit? Oh, my God. Amanda is flat out saying that, yeah, Terry abused her. Amanda, that poor thing. I know, that poor girl. I just, I, mean, I can't, I can't, I don't holy know. Holy shit, she's normal? I don't know. I don't know. I didn't look into that. Oh. This would be like 10 episodes long. Mildred French, who was an elderly neighbor during the 1980s, oh. said that she was sexually attacked by Terry and claimed he killed her cat. Oh my Terry God. Terry denied, but Terry denied killing the cat. 
Terry was sentenced to counseling for the attack. He never actually denied it, and he dismissed it as being ancient history. You know, and then he, he denied, needs... and then he denied all of the other accusations. So, is he still alive? Um, I think so. And the other guy is still alive yes. too. Yes. Yep. Th- okay, the other guy's in jail though. No, he was only in jail for fifteen months. No. So he's walking the streets. Yeah. And this one too. Yeah. So now we have oh. Sharon Nelson, who is Terry's girlfriend, said that Terry claimed to have found the bodies before the police found them, but left them undiscovered. Like, he didn't want to be the one to find them. Um, Why? And then, De- uh, I don't, I, that's what she's saying. I don't know if it's true or not. This is what she's saying now? This is, yes. Was she not thinking this I before? don't know. I don't know. I'm like, I'm now, getting angry. I know. Now, David oh. Jacoby said that he only searched with Terry briefly oh. before dark and said that when Terry came to his house, or that when Terry okay. came to his house, he saw three boys in the street behind him. So Terry had seen the boys past the point where he claimed to not have seen them. So he's lying in there, somewhere in there. Now, this is interesting, too, because John Mark Byers said that when he was looking for Christopher, he came across a police car in the parking lot of a gas station around 7 p.m. and told the officer about his missing son. The officer told him to call the police that the child was still missing at 8 p.m., which is some bullshit because they should have started looking right away. Byers said that while he was searching, he ran into Terry Hobbs, who asked him where he was going to search. And Byers said he was going to look by the Mayfair Apartments, which was by the pipe, kind of where the boys' bodies were found. Mm-hmm. And Terry said that he and his friend Jacoby already looked there. Oh, and Jacoby said that they didn't. Right. But Terry said that they already did. Right. And then also Terry said that he had found the body. Or, so the girlfriend claims. So it gets more interesting. Oh, my God. Also, Damien lived in those apartments two years earlier. But small town, so... Who knows? Police did not interview all of the residents of the Mayfair apartments, which How is... How do we know all of this after interviews. the fact? So, just interviews? How come these interviews weren't um, taking place before? This is interviews by authors, podcasters, um, reporters. Oh, so nobody really came I don't, forward. Right. They're, I mean, they're just tracking these people down. So they're they're just, asking them questions and stuff. They would have just yeah. let these boys rot in prison? Maybe they did come forward. Who knows? Why didn't they speak up before? No, who's going to listen? They had their guilty people. If you knew something. I would, of course, speak up. Of course I would. But that doesn't mean they're going to listen to you. That, that doesn't mean they're not going to laugh you off. But or if everybody who now is I don't. Forward, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they were afraid, too, of the Probably, police. Probably, yeah. Like craziness. Well, who knows what you mm-hmm. could be accused of doing. So now, all right. Oh police did not interview all of the residents of the Mayfair Apartments, which is right next to the crime scene. Oh. One resident told police Satan worshippers were in the woods. They received several reports of two black men and one white man in the woods. A resident stated that they told police they need to speak with Mrs. Clark, who worked for Schneider Truck Lines, and she worked evening shift. The driver saw a man with blood all over him on Wednesday night. Oh, also, that's just normal. Also, it's probably the one in Bojangles. Yeah. Sh- Schneider Truck Lines is where Todd Moore, li- where he worked. Who Michael Todd Moore? Michael Moore's father, one of the victims. I am getting so and confused with all these Todd names. Moore was out of town until the next morning, and he was driving his truck, so he wasn't even mm. there the night, supposedly. 
but the, it's all connected. It's so crazy. So as an adult, mm-hmm. Don Moore, Michael Moore's sister, mm-hmm. Todd and Dana Moore, you know, Dana Moore is the one who got drunk and killed the pedestrian. Okay. Now, as an adult, Dawn has nothing to do with her parents. She left home at 17, and she said that she and Michael took care of themselves and each other. Their parents were alcoholics. They were extremely strict and physically abusive. They all seem... Like- she doesn't... Mm-hmm. She doesn't remember remember having ever been told by her mother to look for Michael, because the mom claimed to the police that she told her daughter, oh, go look for him. She said she saw him going to Robin Hood Hills after school, but Dana didn't see Michael at all after school, even though she t- told the police she did. Dawn told her mother repeatedly that Michael was in Robin Hood. She saw him go in there. Dana ignored her and drove around Michael's friend's houses. She never went near Robin Hood Hills. Dana said she never told the police that... Um, wow. Uh, wait, I'm sorry. Dawn said Dana never told the police that she had seen Michael go into the woods. So she's holding all this information back. And it was normal for Michael to avoid going home, because wouldn't you? <laughs> yes. Oops. Now, Dawn, what are you kicking? Quit know. kicking stuff. Dawn also said that John Mark Byers was terrifying. He kept a belt hanging in the living room to whoop his kids. And the Byers and Moores used to be friends, but then one day Dawn and Michael were told to stay away from the Byers. So I don't know what happened there. Whipping each other? I don't know. Now, in 1997, a criminal profiler, Brent Brent Turvey, looked into the case. He said that uh, he looked at Michael's autopsies and said his body had a directional pattern abrasion below the right shoulder and stated that it did not correspond with any of the evidence collected at the site where the boys were found and was inconsistent with any of the naturally occurring elements that exist in the environment. So, and in one of the pictures, you can see a piece of cloths in Michael, cloth in Michael's right hand. It should have been taken into evidence oh and gosh. analyzed, but there's no mention of it anywhere. So wait. It disappeared. Yeah. Stevie Branch, the existence of pattern injuries all over his face that could be bite marks. Bite mark evidence demonstrates behavior mm-hmm. and lends itself to individuation. So it's as unique as like fingerprints. Yes. He said that the bite marks on the faces was indicative of child abuse, and you have to be properly trained to identify bite marks. Now, John Mark Byers had all of his teeth pulled, I think, like, four years after this? Like, before all this came out, like, all the new evidence came out, and he never gave a reason as to why. Oh, Now, Christopher... He bit the child? Well, that's what they're saying. But there's, there's... Just wait. Oh. Just wait. Christopher Byers. Mm. His wounds were more extensive. There were more... This turvy guy says they're more overtly sexually oriented and includes the use of a knife. The wounds created by the removal of the boy's penis... The wounds were created by the removal of the boy's penis, scrotal sacs, and testes. They were neither skilled nor practiced. Mm. It was rageful, careless, but a purposeful act carried out in anger. He identified three sets of injuries on the boy's buttocks... Two sets were consistent with marks from a belt, which, remember, he whooped them. A a third set were actually lacerations and were the most consistent with a whipping by the belt. He felt the injuries tore open the skin and would have resulted in severe bleeding, and after receiving these, the victim would have been unable to walk or ride a bicycle without incredible pain and discomfort. 
So, yeah. Turvey stated that the site where the bodies were found was not where they were murdered, obviously. Mm-hmm. And that there were at least four crime scenes. So, one was the abduction site. Yeah. Two was the attack site. Mm-hmm. Three was the dump site. Mm-hmm. And four was the vehicle that was used to take them back and forth. Okay. Now, he said that the nature and extent of the wounds required light, time, and uninterrupted privacy. They would have resulted in tremendous and a tremendous amount of blood loss, and that nature, the nature of the injuries would have resulted in a great deal of screaming. Uh-huh. So that the fact that the boys were apprehended together and that their wounds showed they put up limited resistance mm-hmm. suggests that they had been approached by someone the victims knew and trusted. Oh, God. The profiler also looked into the death of Melissa Byers. He said it was not consistent with natural causes. The death was not consistent with suicide, given the needle marks, abrasions, and contusions that could suggest the involvement of a second individual. And death was not likely consistent with accidental causes. Holy cow. Now, there's a sequel documentary made called Paradise Lost Revelations. Many celebrities became involved. There's Metallica, Johnny Depp, Eddie Vedder, um, Peter Jackson, the director for like, Lord of the Rings, okay. Natalie Maines of the Dixie Chicks. Oh. Um, some even visited Damien in prison, and they mm-hmm. became good friends. Terry Hobbs sued Natalie Maines. I wonder how he was mentally. I don't know. I mean, just I don't know. How did he handle that? So Terry Hobbs sued Natalie Maines because she said the DNA evidence would be would point to him. Hair was found on the shoelaces at the crime scene and was matched to Terry. One, just one, and a half percent of the population matched, but not one of the defendants. Okay, wait. This hair matched Terry. Where was this hair? Nobody looked into it. So uh, they still have this. Hair just wait, though? just wait, just wait. They they have the hair. So why didn't they just get rid of the hair? I don't know. The police? You mean? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, they. This they... okay. So now this by suing Natalie Maines in a civil suit, oh. this opened him up to questioning under oath, and then the shooting incident came to light. Mm. Now they also brought up that his wife his. His wife had been caught, what he said, kissing the, quote, that Mexican in their home a few weeks before the murders. And he told Pam that he doesn't get mad, he gets even. Pam said she wouldn't put the murders past Harry. But now because all this was coming to light and all other stuff that he didn't want coming to light, he, the the defamation suit was dismissed because it could get him into more trouble than it was worth. And John Fogelman won the election for the circuit court judge and would serve with Judge Burnett now. Oh. Yeah. The attorneys for the West Memphis Three filed a Rule 37 petition. It's a procedure that allowed convicted persons to argue that their trials had been unfair. It would be heard by the same judge who tried the original case. Oh, God. When a judge denies this for someone on death row, he must carefully state his legal reasoning for every point raised by the defense. Barry Schenck... He was an expert in DNA and worked on the OJ case. And Edward Mallett, a big trial lawyer from Houston, became involved. Now, when the original defense attorneys were asked why they allowed Damien to participate in the documentary, Price explained that they needed the money to hire expert witnesses because they didn't believe Burnett would have authorized the expenses. Now, Damien and Jason did not authorize these funds from the documentary to go towards their defense. It was supposed to go to Damien's son and Jason's mother. They okay. didn't want this money going to them. 
They wanted it to take care of their families. Right. So this right there is the attorneys not doing what their clients wanted. The new attorneys? No, the, the old ones. Oh. The judges and prosecutors were paid during the trials and appeals, but the defense still had not been paid. The Arkansas Supreme Court eventually ordered the state to pay the attorneys, and the county was pay, ordered to pay Ron Lax and other expert witnesses. All of the defendants petitioned Judge Burnett under Arkansas Rule 37. Mallett argued Damien's counsel was unfairly deprived of funds for expert, an adequate and timely compensation for their own services, right. and they had entered into agreement with the filmmakers, which had created an unwaivable and actual conflict of interest between themselves and Eccles. Mm. Because the um, a, the judge only allowed a thousand dollars for experts for the defense. Jeez. Damien's Rule Thirty petition. 37 petition hearing lasted eight days, spread out over four sessions in two different courthouses over a period of 10 months. How do you even remember what you talked about? Yeah. Burnett could have stepped aside and allowed a different judge to hear the petition, but didn't. Of course not. He's still alive. I don't know. <laughs> oh On gosh. June 17th, 1999, that was like right around when I was graduating high school, he denied Damien's that Rule like 30. so long ago. I, thanks. Well, I, I, you. <laughs> I know, I'm, I know. Wow. So he denied Damien's Rule 37 petition for new trial. During Jason's Rule 37 hearing, other inmates testified that Michael Carson had been lying. The woman who ran the juvenile detention center where Jason was kept before and during the trial wanted to testify on Jason's behalf, but disappeared at the time of the trial. Ooh, I don't know. I go? don't know. I don't know. Did they ever find her? Not, I have no idea. It, there's She's nothing about it. She's So the defense began receiving help from more and more experts after these documentaries are now becoming widely seen. The autopsies were review, reviewed by Dr. Warner Spitz. He is a chief medical examiner for 32 years. He worked with the CIA on the Kennedy assassination consulted on the O.J. Simpson and JonBenet Ramsey cases, and he literally wrote the book on forensic pathology. He is the world, most world-renowned and well-respected pathologist. Okay. He took a look at this, and it, the, like the autopsies and everything. And so did Dr. Richard Suveron. He's the best odontologist in the country. But wait. They're now looking at this stuff. Okay, but wait. So this is the evidence that they had. They're looking through it all. But the pictures, this wasn't good evidence, though. Well, and, it and you can't go and redo an autopsy. Well, they're looking at everything that was taken, the, the pictures, the report. There are pictures of the autopsy and everything. So, while looking through all of this, they determined that there was no evidence of sexual abuse or other abnorm abnormalities. This is ridiculous to say that the knife from the lake was the cause of the injuries. There were no stab wounds on the bodies. The cause of death for all three boys was drowning. None of the boys had been sexually assaulted. What? This is what these new ones, these really good ones are saying. Because remember... Wait, where did all this other stuff come from? The Emmy, who was not accredited. But you and know... Then, okay, so wait, did did the boys' sexual it's a, organs... It's, well, just wait, just off? wait. It's a different... It's a different... It's how you look at it. And the more experienced person has seen a hell of a lot more... Then this little guy in bumfuck Arkansas, or even the other oh. profiler who looked at it. Shit. So just wait. Wait. He said none, okay, none of the boys had been sexually assaulted. Mm. All three had severe head wounds. Okay. And all three were bludgeoned over the head until unconscious, oh, stripped nude, bound with laces, then put in the water until they drowned. 
Only Michael had bruising and hemorrhaging under his bindings. He fought against them. The other two was already, were already dead when they were bound. Mm. Hunters tie up animals the way the boys were tied up. The entire left side of Stevie's face was mutilated, his gums hemorrhaged, and the base of his skull was fractured, and he had brain hemorrhages. Oh, Spitz stated that the amount of hemorrhaging on the brain was minor. So if you have an open oh. wound on a part of the body, and it's lower than the heart, the blood settles there, right. and it seeps out during the gra- because of the gravity. So just because of the way it was positioned, it looked worse than it really was. Okay. All injuries... This is what they're saying. All injuries on the bodies were caused by animals after death, and that there were obvious claw marks. Oh. They attribute the bite injuries to turtles. The injury, the area where the boys were found was called Turtle Hill. Snapping turtles live in that area. Oh, they can grow quite nice. large. Yeah. Turtles are also carnivorous. They focus on ears, oh. eyes, lips, oh. the groin area, like inner thighs. Oh. They grab with their beak, and they use their sharp claws to push off the body. Which was consistent with the injuries on the victims. The, the and the penis. Is what they're thinking. The, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. And. Wait. Um, alligator gar and crawfish also live in the area. Holy shit. The severity of the injuries on the bodies depended, depended oh. on the location of the bodies in the water. So the turtles followed the smell upstream. Oh, so they mostly fed off of Stevie and Christopher and didn't oh. need to go further to get to Michael. Mm. That's why Christopher was the worst. Because he was probably the closest to the Jesus. turtles. Now, Mallet appealed Burnett's denial of Damien's petition to the Arkansas Supreme Court. He told the justi- justices that Burnett all, only addressed a few of the points presented in the petition and had completely ignored others. So the justices agreed, and they sent the petition back to Burnett, ordering him to specifically address each issue Damien's lawyers had raised. Burnett's ruling didn't change. Isn't there like just somebody just, like a senator? Well, so here's or the thing. Here's I mean, the this thing. This guy obviously is just. You can't. So in an appeal, you oh. cannot say, "Hey, we're appealing because the verdict is incorrect." You have to appeal on technical issues, sure. which well, there's a million. I know, but okay. but Burnett. I mean, it goes higher. It has to keep. You have to go in and steps. Then, what? Until How you get to the years? Supreme Court. Right. right, right. Oh, my gosh. So. So, but then, does nothing happen to this guy? What guy? Uh, the judge. No. Of course not. Oh. So, Burnett just copied the Attorney General's brief word for word and issued that as his ruling. Didn't even bother to do anything himself. Now, two months after the convictions, Gitchell reside, resigned from the West Memphis Police Department and moved to Memphis to work for Pinkerton Investigative Services, which is terrifying because Pinkerton is a, it was a huge deal, like, back in the day. Like, a big, uh, like, private investigator company. Oh. Like, they're in a lot of true crime cases. I've heard of really? them. Yeah, I've heard of them quite a few times. And when I read that, I was like, oh, no, Pinkerton, don't do that. Mm-hmm. But Detective Allen was promoted to captain. Detective Bray suffered a debilitating stroke, which, oh, darn. Steve Jones resigned as a juvenile officer a year after the trials and, re- and moved away. Jerry Driver was placed on administrative leave in February of 1997 after an audit of his department found a shortage of nearly $30,000. There were 68 authorized checks that had been written to or were endorsed by Driver, and two others had gone to Steve Jones, who was Driver's assistant. 
Driver resigned from the Crittenden County Juvenile Probation Office in March. He went to court to face a charge of theft before Judge Burnett and was placed on probation for 10 years. And ordered... Burnett. He I know. Must, he must mm-hmm. be... Like the only one there? Well, he must be a millionaire. Yeah. I mean, everybody's paying him off. I mean, well, what just wait. is happening? Oh, just wait. And, uh, let's see. Driver was ordered to repay the missing funds at a rate of $240 per month. Detective Sudbury had been dismissed from the force. It doesn't say why, which I can only imagine. And Judge Burnett was elected to the state senate in 2010. Is he? <laughs> I don't know. Are you kidding? Nope. Nope. Aren't they supposed to? I, ah, look through his rulings and sh- exactly. I don't know. I don't know. Now, in prison. Okay, wait. So he's still there? I don't know. It's 20, it's 13 years later. I don't know. Wow. You would have thought. Now, yeah. It's not in In jail. Or prison. Jesse had gotten seventeen tattoos, and he stated he stated a prison tattoos. They tattoo what, each what, other. What do they use? I don't know. They something in the ink from a pen. Well, they're not supposed I've, to. No. Have well, no, any they're not. They're not. That's why, if they get caught, they're they get an additional charge. Oh my goodness! But he stated a goal of getting a giant brain tattooed on top of his head. <laughs> but oh. but I think if I, I remember reading, he actually got a big clock. Who did? But Jesse did. But with no hands, hands because kind of like time stands still there. Uh-huh. On his head. Yeah. Well, it's it's Jesse. Yeah. Jason began to study investments and thought about studying law. Good and luck, Jesse. Damien became a Buddhist, and he married Lori Davis at the prison. The uh, architect from New York, she moved oh, down the there. Oh, Yep. She moved down there, and they ended up getting married. They're still married. Oh. Um, in 2007, DNA was collected from the crime scene, or DNA collected from the crime scene was tested, and none was found to match DNA from Jason, Jesse, or Damien. Wow. In October, on October 29th of 2007, papers were filed in federal court by Damien's attorney seeking a retrial or his immediate release from prison. September 30th of 2010, Arkansas Supreme Court, we're getting to the end, if evidence excludes the defendant has a source of the DNA, then the trial has to consider all the evidence, whether admitted at trial or not, to see what a reasonable jury would do today. The lower court interpreted all evidence to mean all evidence of guilt and not evidence of innocence. The defense argued that all evidence literally means all evidence, you dumb shits. Wow. November 2020, I'm sorry, November 2010, Arkansas Supreme Court granted an evidentiary hearing in which all new evidence could be presented to the court. Now, four months prior to this, they had an unexpected circuit court session. Jason, Damien, and Jesse entered an Alfred plea in exchange for being sentenced to time served and released. They refused to admit any guilt to a criminal act, but conceded that the state had evidence to be used against them. They but could they didn't, though. correct, but they just but they they wanted out. They no. could have gotten a new hearing, but it would have taken years. Mm. And they yeah. yeah, but by entering the Alfred plea, they gave up the right to file a civil suit. But oh. you got it. They were in jail or oh. prison. They were in prison, eighteen years oh and seventy eight days. God. Jason did not want to enter the Alfred plea. 
He wanted to continue to fight to prove his innocence. He only did it to get Damien off death row. Uh, he was still... Well, wait a minute. How long are you on death row? Until your, all your petitions are done. Or until your, all your appeals are done. And then they kill you. But he, again, looking out for somebody else. Damien had spent 10 years in solitary confinement. Oh. So this really screwed up his eyes. And they're now sensitive to light. And he has to wear special glasses. So anytime you see pictures of him, he always has like those... like the tinted like glasses oh, that he sure. wears because he can't handle normal light. Oh. The defense had told for a long time that the evidence in the case had been lost, destroyed, or mishandled. They eventually settled on a story that it had, it had been destroyed in a fire. Oh, God. It took 18 months and a court order for the defense team to be allowed into the West Memphis Police Department. They were finally allowed in on December 21st of 2001. Isn't all that stuff illegal, though? Of course. All of the evidence was there, intact and organized. They found shoelaces that were used to bind the boys. Right. And Terry Hobbs' DNA had been found on them. Uh, Now, Michael Pope, who was the chief of the West Memphis Police Department at this time, he resigned after this. Of course. Now, in 2012, analysis was done at the crime scene, determined that they were not a match to any items in either Jason's or Damien's home. Mm. Actually, it should be 22. June 23rd, 2020, a Crittenden County judge denied Damien's request to order prosecutors to hand over evidence, DNA evidence to a lab for testing. Well, there's a reason. There's Judge Tanya M. Alexander stated that Damien's petition was denied because it fell under a habeas statute. In Arkansas, a person can only bring a habeas petition if they are in custody. You can't bring one if you're if you're not in jail or prison, oh, even if you have conviction on your record. Damien's attorneys have filed their intention to appeal. They stated Judge Alexander's ruling was an erroneous exercise in statutory interpretation. Now we have Attorney Patrick Beckna says that the clear intention of the legislature here, as stated by the legislature itself in Title Act of 1780, was to provide methods for pressuring DNA and other scientific evidence and to provide a remedy for innocent persons who may be exonerated by this evidence. So that's kind of what they're arguing back and forth, technicalities. Damien wants to test the DNA evidence using the MVAC process but it can't be used because it violates state laws. It could destroy the remainder of the evidence. And Jesse and Jason weren't part of this petition to do this, and they should have a say if the evidence is going to be destroyed because it affects them as well. True. So that's what happened last. Now, Jason is now married with two children, and he started Proclaim Justice. It's an organization to help innocent people who are imprisoned. Okay. Um, Damien actually attends a lot of true crime conventions. He's still with Lori. He is very much into the occult and very much into Aleister Crowley. That's some dark shit. He is? Yeah. So Damien got Why? really... It's his thing. He's he's really into the occult, witchcraft, all that stuff now. Oh. And he yeah, he writes books and yeah, I've kind of read through some of it. It's like, no, I don't want nothing to do that. Maybe he had hard times. Who knows? I mean... In, now... Mm. The last thing that happened, um, so Eccles appealed to the state Supreme Court, and Assistant General Brooke Jackson Gassaway filed a motion to, to dismiss the appeal that Eccles filed. On Thursday, April 6th of this year, 
the Supreme Court rejected their motion. So it said, no, you can't, dis I'm not going to dismiss Eccles' petition. But it did grant the state more time to file its response, which is... It's just time. Which is due... That can't be right. It's got to be May... Well, it had to have been May 6th of this year. So, okay. that's that. So, what happened to that Terry, who they found... Well, that's the DNA they're trying to get really analyzed. Right. Shouldn't he be... Nobody cares. Where is this guy? I don't know. I have no idea where Terry Hobbs is. He's just hanging out there. And his DNA were found on the laces. Yep. But no one even thinks to bring him in and question him again? Or... Yeah. I don't know what... I don't know. It's... Uh, I, I have no so idea. So these kids... Were what seventeen and eighteen, mm -hmm. and they were finally. Oh, he. Oh, mm. Terry Hobbs wrote a memoir. Oh God. In twenty nineteen. Yeah. Um. I wonder what it could possibly be about. I have no idea. I mean. Right. I don't know. So. Almost, you'd almost want to read it. But mm. then you'd be angry. Um, oh, he's a church member, a father, a working man, and in no way a killer. Yeah, okay, uh, buddy. But everyone has his story, and this just happens to be mine. Oh, yeah, that would probably really anger me. But, yeah. but he's not in the clear yet, then. I don't know. I mean, well, and... And how old is this guy now, roughly? So, I, um, I don't know. Mark Byers is now saying, or John Mark Byers is now saying that he thinks Terry Wayne Hobbs did it. Oh. I don't know. Now, if you were up, if I had to take a guess at who did it, and I'm guessing, just guessing, I would think it's Terry Hobbs and the black guy at Bone Jangles. You don't think that? John Mark? Yeah. You don't think he's in on that at all? I mean, he's I don't know, but I if I had to place money, I'm I'm just making guesses, just making guesses. I'm not saying they are guilty. They are in no way guilty. Have not been proven guilty. But I'm saying, I definitely think the Bojangles guy was in. A, had something to do with it because that's well, just yeah, way too coincidental. Why would you? Be and blood. There's too much. John Mark is a freaking weirdo. Why would they? Do I that? don't. I mean, what would? What were the motives well, being? a lot of, if you listen, so with, um, God, why can't I think of his name? The profiler, John Douglas. Um, I think it was, he was pissed and he kind of wanted to like teach him a lesson. Because remember, um, all of they them were, a lesson? I think they were maybe together. I don't know what he was angry about. I don't, maybe he couldn't get one without the others. I don't know. Maybe something went wrong. But I think I wouldn't be surprised oh, if it came out that John Mark had something to do with it. But I just don't know. Wow. But that's that's that. So these kids don't get any. They're still fighting to clear their names. They can't sue because of the Alfred plea. Because they. Yeah. Yeah. They don't so get they're any just their lives. Is that 
um, I mean, restitution. restitution. I always think of um, Snoopy. <laughs> I want restitution. No, they don't get restitution. They don't get anything. So they're how old when they get out? Um, say they're, let's find out. So, say, well, they're they're close to like forty, right? Like eighteen well, years in, and they were eighteen. Let's look up Damien Eccles' age. He's 48. Okay, he's 48 now. Yeah. But how long has he been out? I don't know. But this is, so this is a picture of him. Oh. He's got dark glasses on. Looks normal. And this is Jason. Aww. I know. He just still looks so sweet. He doesn't even And this is Jesse. He looks oh. about what you expect. <laughs> and this is. Oh, I feel bad. And this is um, Damien's wife. Oh. Da- that, that's Lori Davis. Yeah. But yeah, so it's just that little, that little guy, Jesse. Yeah, or not Jesse, Jason. So what? What ended up? Oh, Jason. He he's married with two kids, and he's trying. He's he has that um, program that they're trying to help people. And was he the one that was in the jail cell with the? No, that Damien was one being raped. Jason was the one who was just learning everything he could. Oh, so he was in the. Damien was the one that it was the the wall was like caving in. Yeah, oh, the I death think. row, death row. Oh, yeah, he had it the worst. But and how can they look so normal? <sighs> Maybe they're not. Maybe they just look I, normal. I don't know. Therapy. A lot of I therapy. Don't know. Holy cow! Talk about PTSD. And yeah, I'm sure. Oh, and like I said, Damien can't. He has to have those shaded glasses in order you to go out. You wonder, though. I mean, if he's in this, what what is Into this occult stuff? Mm-hmm. I wonder if, if he's, uh, I don't really want to. Well, we'll talk about it afterwards. Yeah. All right, so that's the end of this long episode on the West Memphis Three, and that concludes the story for now. I mean, if anything else happens, I will do, like, an update. But um, if you have any questions, comments, you can get a hold of us at gravemistakepodcast at gmail.com. And we have pictures up on a grave underscore mistake at Instagram. And thank you so very much for listening to us. And stay safe and stay strange.